sore tomorrow, I think, from all that screwing. <laughs> <laughs> I went and got myself an electronic screwdriver, so that helped out a lot doing all my uh, my handiwork. That's how we started, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering how we are going to follow up uh, mm-hmm. the balls from last time. It makes a really big difference to uh, just you know, like sit there and pull a trigger rather than just like turning with your wrist over and over at the screwdriver. Man. Oh, yeah. You'd much rather be pulled off yeah. than like get your wrists in there. Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. It all feels like almost for nothing because seemingly nothing's changed. I swapped the tops of both of my desks for different tops, but it's still like it's I'm just sitting at a desk. It's just a different color, you know. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, your top. I got it. Cool. Awesome. Hopefully, this helps my RSI. What does that stand for again? A repetitive stress injury. Oh, yeah. From all the screwing. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I've definitely, something changed about my setup when I moved up here. I don't know what it is, but I've been like slowly developing RSI. So I'm hoping switching desktops will help with that. Do you have like the foot thing? Now you have like a shoulder to arm to wrist thing. Oh, yeah. I'm doing great. You're falling apart. Yeah. I mean, who knows? It could, I'm sure just sitting around indoors all day has got to be a factor, you know. My neck is a little extra fucked um, from falling down being the stairs. on my, well, yeah, falling down the stairs probably didn't help anything. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, um, being on the couch more, like looking at my laptop. You know, I, I can't do the actual laptop thing. It just, it doesn't work for me. I have to have that sitting on like a table. Mm-hmm. I guess that's just me. I think it depends for me on like where my feet are. Like uh, my feet need to be elevated in some fashion. Yeah. Although technically it's not a laptop. It's a notebook. Anyway. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Should we start the pod? Might as well. <laughs> Welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marco Sparks. And we're back after a, uh, I hate to say it was longer than planned, although I think there were some some good reasons for that. Um, do you want to talk about that at all, Marco? Yeah, I mean, I think we need to talk about the things in the world, because um, we're about to do a stupid podcast where we start <laughs> off talking about, like, screw puns. But, you know, I mean, I don't want to get preachy, um, but there's a pandemic. There's the poison of racism and ignorance. It's like more blatant than ever. There's militarized police brutality that's not new. There's a kind of awesome, like righteous wave of cancellations of of shitty dudes. Um, and, and we can't, we can't, especially can't ignore that since we're about to talk about a Joss Whedon show. So like, <laughs> the misdeeds of powerful men in the in- entertainment industry are a big deal. But um, I know, I just like, I feel. There's a performative way to talk about these things. And I, uh, but I also think that sometimes if you think your audience, if you're like a white guy and you, your audience is other white people, I don't think it hurts to try to say, I'm, I think this stuff is important and I really hope you all do too. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. I, mean, I think it'd be fair to say that in early June, it just didn't feel like the right time to just be doing podcasting about TV shows and movies, you know? Yeah. Um, just what with, with you know all the the protests going on and i don't know i just personally just wasn't in a mood like my mind was just fucking elsewhere you know like exactly concerned exactly. And, and frustrated and angry so 
Well, I mean, I, I to paraphrase you, and I apologize, you had a great comment that really stuck with me a couple weeks ago with, as we were watching videos of peaceful protests being pummeled by fascist oppressive boots and fists, you were saying, the things I'd really like to say, I sure as shit can't <laughs> say in public. Yeah, yeah. I probably should keep some of the uh, the darker thoughts to myself. But I mean... I don't. I think it's important not to forget just a few, especially if not all the names, like Elijah McClain and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. Um, it's shocking to me that we see more progress in, a, in, a, in that one week of protest than we've seen in like decades of legislation. Um, I don't know. I mean, just like I said, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say things just to make myself feel better for having said them. But I just, you know, please don't let us go back to a normal that means that some people get less solely based on the privilege they weren't born with you know yeah. <laughs> i mean is that is that the bare minimum to ask i mean i i feel like protests are still going out, I mean, out there yeah but we're keep, not hearing about it keep the pressure up you know they're still going and or do what you can't can. can't allow people to slip back into thinking that that is fine that like sometimes the cops are just going to murder people and that's how it is yeah but yeah i mean i think I don't think we've really tweeted about it a whole bunch and in, in the things that we've done, but like unequivocally, I, I think we both agree black lives matter. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time I will use the word all is to say that all trans lives matter, but especially black trans lives. Um, and if you don't agree, God, go fuck yourself, please. Seriously. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is the time to like call out the relatives who say the little ignorant racist things. This is the time to, to notice that shit. I don't think you need to do like that fucking group in the park that like all got on their hands and knees and like, oh, I'm so sorry about my white privilege. You don't need to do like a fucking celebrity video with uh, Aaron Paul. I mean, sometimes the best thing to do is shut up and amplify other voices, you know? Yeah, this is a real rough time for celebrities. How'd you put <laughs> it? Like people who have no shame and they like to have attention. I just don't think celebrities know. I mean, they, they already didn't know what to do with coronavirus and being yeah. locked down and, and this even more. I mean... I don't know you mentioned the cancellations that that have been going on. I, I, I guess I'm I've gotten very cynical. It all seems like the people who need to be canceled the most are the ones who always come back. You know, yeah, the people who are actually sincere and um, uh, contrite are mm. the ones who stay away. And then the assholes who are just kind of like doing a performative apology video, they're going to be around for fucking ever, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, like I think in a perfect society. There's there's a step beyond shaming these people and calling out their sins where they can go and rehabilitate and they can do something and, and come back in a better way. But we're not in a perfect society. We need to put victims first. Um, and we just don't need, like, Louis C.K. to redeem himself. He's not going to. We don't need countless others. I don't even know what a Shane Dawson even is, though I see that trending. I don't understand. Uh, I, I'm like vaguely aware of who he is. I don't understand why he's popular. Yeah. I thought we were past the era of the, the useless YouTuber, but I don't understand. He's a YouTuber, how, right? I got I hope I got that right. He's a YouTuber. I don't understand how like it seemed at some point he just decided I'm going to get into like beauty YouTube and like then he became like a beauty YouTube guy, like not telling women how to do makeup or something. I, I I'm fucking baffled by it. I don't understand it. But uh, everything you just said sounds heinous to me sounds horrendous but i mean by all means buddy yeah you should go use the n-word in doing that or or whatever the fuck um anyway yeah 
What do you I just can't to? believe that Chris Delia <laughs> played himself on season two of you. <laughs> I have yet to really know who Chris Delia is, and I'm I'm happy for that. Because I didn't get that. Whatever episode he's in in you season two, I did not get there yet. Oh god. I mean he's in multiple episodes. I I, I it's like I want you to watch that show, but I'm almost like, eh, maybe you shouldn't now. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, what am I watching? Um it's been a while since we talked. We should also say, if anyone cares. We have somewhat, as, as we've been able to focus, recorded a few episodes of another podcast. Yeah, well, let's let's do the what we're watching, then we can talk about that briefly. Um, I've watched everything I could of I May Destroy You, which I discovered the other night, and I've been, I don't want to say loving, considering the subject matter, but I've been really enjoying. Um, watched the new, I watched the first episode last week of the new Perry Mason. Jesus. Um, and I finally watched Birth and Under the Skin the other day, and that's all I can think about. And I'm desperate to start the new season of Dark, but we're recording a podcast instead. What is Birth? Birth is a Jonathan Glazer movie with Nicole Kidman. Oh, oh, the movie. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what am I watching? It's slowly making my way through the grate. I think I was when we last talked a month ago. Um, we're up to episode seven now. It's good. It's just... I don't know. I've been super busy. This is like the first weekend I've had actually to like kind of just like chill out and do, you know, normal stuff, I guess. Watch uh, TV and screw. Yeah. Yeah. Watch Perry Mason, which I mean, I guess I'll keep watching it. I don't know. I like Matthew Reese. It looks good. The story so far is. I don't know. It 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 seems very overcooked, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, like Perry, Perry Mason's like not a detective, first of all, but whatever you, you know, it, it's like somebody had an idea for a detective show, but they needed a property to attach it to. But sure, I mean, I know he he becomes a defense attorney at the end of the show, but or end of the season, but like that's it seems dumb to me. Doesn't seem like starting. the kind of thing you become. You know, well, <sighs> I mean, like, granted, it's okay, not like this... he's gonna like put on the mask at the end of the season, and now he is right. a lawyer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, like Lieutenant Trab is like. We found this playing card. What are we going to do about it, Perry? I mean, like, this is the right what about time escalation? period. For, yeah. Time period for when the books came out. Yes. But, I mean, let's face it. You can't get away from Raymond Burr. And, yeah. And, like, that show. And, like, this just doesn't look or feel right to be it, I mean, it looks like True Detective Season 4, the old-timey version. No, it's 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 like True, True Detective's, uh, like, 1930s edition. Yeah. You know, like Dreamland or whatever. Um, which is fine. Like, you know, if you ignore the fact that it's Perry Mason, it's an interesting show. It's kind of like there's like the fatty Arbuckle kind of parallel character. There's going to be an Amy Simple McPherson type mm-hmm. of character. So, you know, it's, got- it kind of it vaguely seems like somebody had like their, their Chinatown and they're like, I'm going to turn this into a script and or a TV show and call it Perry Mason. And I'm glad that someone finally cast... Uh, one of the actresses who played one of the clones on, you know, uh, Orphan Black. Yeah, Tatiana Maslany who played. I'm um, like, I'm glad to see all of those actresses, you know, getting work again. Mm-hmm. I still need to finish Orphan Black. I feel bad about that. Uh, how far did you get in that show? Like a couple episodes into season five. I think the problem is that it was so long, but, but, but like by the time I got to season five to watch it. Like uh-huh. so much of the machinations of the plot, especially from season four, I just forgotten. And it was, I don't know. I need like a refresher to jump back in. 
Yeah, I think you remember characters from that show, but you don't yeah. necessarily remember action. Because the actions are all seem kind of arbitrary. I mean, all the stuff with like the male clone, you know. Well, it's like each season I'm like, who is the villain again? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. it Matt Frewer? <laughs> Matt Frewer and uh, there Not was like really a... Sure. Well, there is the the evil clone, but then there is another character who is not a clone. I want to say it was just like um, part of the well, company. There, there was the uh, the fucking uh, like the male clones when they brought yeah. in that creep. Ooh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Anyway, great show. Anyway, uh, yeah, great show. But I, I don't think we talk about the ending of that show anymore because it's like well, no one really it. remembers it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's not like you're like witnessing discourse. But you're like, I don't get it. It's like we're just we like we all forgot about this. I show. mean, I think in a way that show peaked when it was all four of the main clones like dancing together. Yeah. That was really something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that is it. The great and Perry Mason. Um I watched uh there's like a this like document. No, I guess it's a quasi documentary miniseries on uh US Grant that I watched most of. Okay. I think it was like right around the time of the uh, the protest, and I just like wanted to see the South get their ass kicked a little more. Um, it's fine. It's a little gory. Like there's a lot of like reenactments What's that like have it, like a surprising amount of headshots. Um, it's just called Grant. It's it's just Word. about Ulysses Grant and like his history. Okay, cool. But I don't know. Interesting. Didn't I like kind of left off when he got elected president? It's like the last like I don't know hour of it or something it's like three hour and a half long episodes mm, right on. Um, anyway uh what are you listening to well i've been listening to the under the skin soundtrack or score a lot after after i watched the movie uh phoebe bridgers album i downloaded the haim album but How i was there a phoebe bridgers and a phoebe waller bridges right yeah yeah it's just people are trying to confuse me now how do you know they're not the same person? I don't. It could be. Well, it could you know. be, yeah. <laughs> Halfway through her song, she just turns and looks at you and makes a snarky British comment. It's like there's two Peyton lists. How is that possible? How is that possible? I don't understand. And do they have to fight every day at midnight to see who gets to carry the name to the next day? You could almost manage it because the other Peyton lists hadn't really been in much in a while, but then she's in that Star Trek show. Well, she was in like fucking everything for a while. Oh yeah, she's like, in Flash Forward, right? I think so. What it was like? She was like the daughter, you, I think maybe. Do you have a pilot for a show that's sure to fail? Let's get Peyton List and Eric Balfour in there. Mm-hmm. Eric Balfour, I'm still keeping it on topic for Buffy. That's right. Yeah, he has a, a great uh, exit scene in 24. Does he? Of course, he's in 24. He, I mean, he's in it for several seasons, and at one point, like some terrorists take over CTU as they always do, uh-huh. um, and they're like. Who's in charge here? And it's like his girlfriend is actually in charge, but he sets forward. He's like, I'm in charge. And they just like shoot him in the head. Like it's so unceremonious. It's pretty That's awesome. That's a work of work. Of, Eric That's Balfour. Classic 24 right there. Was in a movie where I believe that he had unsimulated sex scenes. <sighs> One of those, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Uh, what am I listening to? A little bit of the killers. Uh, like their new singles and whatnot. Oh, um, that's right. They have a thing coming up. But yeah, other than that, not a whole lot. Just the you know the usual shit. I need, I need some new shit. You need some new shit, bro. Uh-huh. It's like churches do for a new album or something. Uh, I wish. Can you some? Hey, uh, here's what I'm saying. In like three months, why doesn't every band have a new album coming out? Yeah, really. What else are you doing? <laughs> uh, 
what are you reading? I read a shit ton since really? uh, since we last spoke. I, I feel like I'm I have not I'm not even remembering all of it. Uh, I started the Hunger Games prequel as I told you. I did not finish it. I um, have it. It's uh, it's slowly migrated from my TV tray to the the counter to like the steps uh, going upstairs. It's, eventually, it will make it up to my bed, and I'll actually read it. It's it's moving along. We will know that it's reached a sweet spot when it's like on the counter next to the toilet. And you're like, finally, I can begin reading. Yeah, I'm still working through uh, The Hazelwood by Melissa Albert. Um, I am further along. I just started picking up again. It's it's just weird and dark and kind of depressing. I mean, I, I like it, but it's it's a lot. It's We're, very... Um, uh, it's like Margaret Atwood by way of... Uh, I don't know, like The Ring or something. You know, there's like a lot of dread happening. So we don't have our cameras on, but I know the exact hand gesture you just made while saying that. Of course. I know how you did the hand thing. And then I bet you looked up. Did you look up? See, that's just fucking freaky. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know when you're looking up for the answer. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So the Hunger Games, I got halfway through. And honestly, I, I felt he's on his way to fucking. I'm, okay. I left off, spoiler, like the Hunger Games have begun. The, like um, the first one or? No, it's I can't remember what number it is. So but they, they've, been, they've doing been going for a little while. while. Okay, yeah, it's like the first one where they have like mentors, and he kind of starts the whole thing where um, they can like bet on it and send in like. Uh, uh, oh, is that his innovation? Things. Yeah, yeah, it's like his innovation. Um, but I was like, I feel like I'm reading like year twenty of the Trump administration. And I was like, I just I can't do this. It's like it's uh, like then I, it's like he's like, hey, survivor, what if he had immunity idols? Right, it's fucking genius. Those then I read Swamp, right. Swamplandia by Karen Russell, which I loved. I read both The Word is Murder and The Sentence is Death by Anthony Horowitz because I was in a mood for a modern mystery. I read How to Be Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, which brought up a great point that I hadn't thought of foolishly, which is I think you think that racist views lead to racist policies, but a lot of times it's like the exact opposite. Hmm. Um, and then I just started reading Saul Kill Girls by Claire Legrand. All right. So I like I, I feel like I couldn't read for the first couple weeks or months of, mm-hmm. of yeah, Corona. Yeah. It's like finally, it's like I my brain is like, please put things into me that are better than the real world. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, before we jump on to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Slayer season three part one, uh, I suppose we have a few updates. Uh, do you want sure. to talk it's about up. one of ours? Um, uh, we used to do this podcast and not many people heard about, about a show called Pretty Little Liars. I mean, that's uh, just, that's just like being an asshole. Come on. <laughs> um, it's just a little podcast. You probably haven't heard of it. It's called Bros Watch Feel too. I don't know. Like what's worse. The fact that we're minimizing it or that we're minimizing a way that, it, that like we are pretending that it's actually like a big thing. They're both pretty bad. Yeah. They're, they're both pretty bad. <laughs> um, so we've recorded a few episodes when we were able to focus and, and do stuff. That's coming back in a in a kind of a commentary format. Yeah, basically commentaries for the episodes. Um, I know I said on the last podcast I think that I was done talking about PLL forever. Yeah. Uh, that was a lie. Um, in your fucking face. I know, <laughs> but I, I think it's a, a different way to attack the the, the material. I guess, and, and it's much easier because we don't have to do research for it. And it's it's kind of been a joy because it's been long enough that there's so many details that we've either forgotten 
or when I'm reminded, it's it just feels like like mm-hmm. coming home into that like Folgers incest commercial. Um, so we recorded uh, a few episodes. We've, we've gotten a little bit of juicy material, you know. Yeah, we got some juicy material. We got some special guests. I I I, I don't want to call my own shot or anything, but I feel like oh, we're oh. gonna generate at least one clickbait article. Word, really? Yeah. Anyway, um, totally, totally forgot that what that could that. be. Uh, it was uh, it was in the uh, the episode uh, in season two. Let's put it that way. Uh, About a certain okay. character, we're being coy. That's annoying. Um, okay, obviously, I don't know what's worse yeah. is the fact that you're being coy or I've forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping to maybe line up a few others and to release at a time when it when it feels more right. Like the, it's not just the prep of it. I mean, we were ready to go on the anniversary. It's just the the fucking world's on fire and it still is and it should be um but it's like a limited series for now but there's a very good chance we could keep doing this yeah, enjoy if, it if people like it we might just go back and do commentaries um for obviously you don't have to actually set up your you know episode and listen to it as a commentary you can just listen to it but it's fun yeah we're trying very hard to to do that where you don't have to watch the episode but at the same time to make it so you can depending on what format you're watching it whatever yeah sure, so, sure. uh those, at some point those will come at some point later in the summer probably yeah uh, and then the other news is just uh, i finished a uh, second revision for uh a little book called trouble Alls finds me book two is a trouble girl detective series um very happy to be done with it I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about it right now when i when i finished the first draft I was like, yay, it's done. It might be horrible, but uh, I feel a little better about it now. I'm going to tighten things up a little. So um, if all goes well and we get prompt responses from our beta readers that aren't like, I hate all of it, uh, Mm -hmm. I think we can expect it to come, let's say, in the fall. That's the goal. Okay. Yeah. You think the fall as opposed to like later in the summer as well? Let's go ahead and say the fall. Okay. And if it comes earlier, then yay. Yeah. Good for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that's out there on the horizon. Of course, if you haven't read the first book, you know, do it. My name is trouble.com. If you don't want to buy it, you can check it out from a library. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And without further ado, let's uh, talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer season three, part one. We are doing episodes 303 faith, hope and trick 308 lovers walk and 309 the wish. Do you have an opening statement? Uh no, so I'll just kind of riff for a moment. Number one, I hate that my my uh, sorry not laptop, my power book notebook kept my notebook kept auto correcting Anya to anyway. Really? Okay, mine did. <laughs> I was I was like, what the fuck do you keep doing this? Uh-huh. Especially when I would try to write like Anyanka, it'd be like anyway, and I'd be like, how dare you? The shade. Um. Also, I love that we get the start of Emma Caulfield, who eventually will realize is a comedy genius. Um. Buffy season one was like a guilty pleasure to me. It was like maybe at the time when I was watching it, it felt like maybe this isn't a great show, but I don't care. I love it. Um, Buffy season two was like when that, that show that I love morphed into something really kind of tragic and heartbreaking and fun. And other people were jumping on that bandwagon. Buffy season three in a weird way, even though it has a lot of darkness, it feels like more of a party to me. It's like all of my friends are fully cooked, fully formed. We're hanging out. Um, like, like watching these episodes, they are so tight. They are so perfect. Um, they just flow. I don't know. Like there's little issues here and there, obviously as there's meant to be at the story, but 
it was just really fun. Like I realized at least one of these episodes I have watched a lot less than others. And so some things were a surprise and I enjoyed going back to it. What about you? Uh, well, I'd just say these were the glory days. Uh, Buffy yeah. pretty much planted a flag in the annals of TV history at the end of season two. And when we welcome back the show now, it's, it's playing with house money, uh, having fun doing it. It was really fascinating to revisit the introduction of faith. I think you're basically watching the creation of an entire character archetype, you know, the kind mm. of oversex, badass, hard living, but secretly vulnerable anti-heroine. Uh, it's like, here she is. This is the Genesis. Uh, we got the return of Spike, which kind of I think shows us that the writers know exactly what side the bread is buttered on. And mm-hmm. then the wish is just classic alternate timeline, like one off. It's it's the age of apocalypse. Uh, mm-hmm. That was my favorite X-Men crossover. And that energy is just fully present here. Uh, I love how daring the storytelling can be in the alternate settings, like because they don't have to worry about maintaining the status quo. And uh, also, yeah, let's not forget that we get our introduction of Anya, who's one of my favorite characters. Uh, overall, I'd say this first half of the season slaps, and we're just scratching the surface of the main plot line so far. What a delight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that I had the itch, and this show just scratched it. Now my my leg is like popping like a cat. I, I assume you just watched these recently, right? Like I finished the I finished the Wish last night. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I, I watched them like yesterday and today. I, I hadn't even gotten to them when like everything blew up you know at the end of may beginning of june so yeah. it wasn't like i watched them then i wrote this or anything it's all pretty fresh in my mind yeah, yeah, yeah. all right well episode s03e03 faith hope and trick i've got uh five moments um i just want to say real quick this is a this is a david greenwald joint um he's like one of the other pillars along with like marty Knoxon. it's interesting to see his contributions uh, to this episode. I have seven well, He's about moments. to leave, too. Yeah. Yeah. For Angel. Yeah, I've uh, got seven moments. All right. Well, uh, why don't you hit us with a few? You said you have five? That's correct. Okay. Um, my number seven moment, it's a small one-ish. It's Buffy and Joyce just, like, sneaking, sticking it to Snyder. Okay. That's, that's kind of like calling your whole ability to do this job into question. Um. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I have six. My number five moment is uh, prepare to uncouple and uncouple. uncouple. And then a few minutes later, you know, when you do that thing with your mouth, the boys like. <laughs> uh, my number five is extremely minor, but uh, I thought it was funny to hear some early third eye blind playing in the bronze. Uh, the song is in the, ba- in the background, um, which, man, that took me back. That's like a perfect bronze song. <laughs> Kind of like this, like late grunge. Anyway, in, in retrospect, I'm really glad that we never saw Stephen Jenkins on this show. <laughs> it's almost surprising that he didn't show up. Yeah, he's too busy chasing after Vanessa Carlton. I feel like at some point Vanessa Carlton's going to say some things about him. <laughs> you kind of wonder, yeah. Well, the entire music industry, you kind of wonder why, why uh, it hasn't had its moment. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um. My number four is I love that Buffy and Joyce are having this like uh, like 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 Joyce isn't like as clueless anymore in season three. She's a little cooler with Buffy. She's got her screaming match out of the way and the, the, the shitty scenes in Dead Man's Party. But her and Buffy are having a heart to heart in the kitchen while Faith is going all like fry inspector on Buffy's plate in the other room. Yep. But I love that Joyce is just like, I don't want you to die. I mean, they're homemade fries. It can't be that good. Again, 
this is a well-balanced meal that uh that Joyce is putting on that table for those those three ladies. Uh let's see, number four. I've got yeah. uh classic line from Buffy. She's talking to Giles and she says, That girl's not playing with a full deck, Giles. She has almost no deck. She has a three. <laughs> One of the great Buffy lines, in my opinion. Yeah. I like yeah. I still remembered it. Like I was, like when I heard it, I was like, Oh man, I love that line. Well, like there is there's a lot of like Joss or Buffy verse, Whedon verse lines that I feel like are just like twisting language, you know, the, yeah. the, that makes a kind of sense. That's not, yeah, not, but, not as big a fan of that, you know, but I am a fan of this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My number three is Cordelia gets off the dance floor and is complaining about the slutterama on the dance floor with her date who clearly the last thing he danced to is Casey in the sunshine band. So we like look over and like there's our girl Faith dancing. And the other guy she's with is so unintentionally hilarious in his moves. I mean, he's so close to doing like the Pulp Fiction Batman fingers. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, my number three is when Joyce found, finds out that Buffy died. And it kind of like slips yeah. out like how is Faith here? Uh, because she, you know, came from Kendra. How's Kendra here? Oh, Buffy died briefly. Uh, yeah. And Joyce is pretty freaked out by that. It's a nice moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is I believe that Faith is just demolishing a hamburger and she's like isn't it funny how slang just gets you like hungry and horny and everyone instantly looks over at Buffy like is this true and she's like well sometimes I crave a non-fat yogurt after classic Buffy uh, my number no, two- we'll later find out that uh, Buffy likes to get her fuck on after a slay sure uh, my number two is uh, just the intro to Faith that you mentioned uh, both seeing her first is just like oh it's just some girl dancing with uh some weird casey and sunshine band guy and it's it's unclear i mean they do the typical buffy thing where you think she's in trouble but really you know she's not um Mm. but great intro just kind of it just happens and you don't really know first like oh this is a very important character yeah uh my number one is at the end buffy finally tells the story of killing angel how he's cured she's sent him to hell and she leaves and like willow is still like on her storyline which like a lot of foreshadowing in this this early half season about wh- where Willow's going. Uh-huh. But like she's like, you know, Giles, I really think I can do this spell with you. And he's just like, yeah, there's no spell. Yeah, that's she's my number one as well. Uh, when she's telling Giles about how Angel's cured, she says, I told him that I loved him and I kissed him and I killed him. Uh, and then you, you were kind of wondering if Giles was building to that this whole time because yeah. he was being somewhat inscrutable about the questions he was asking. It was fairly subtle in the first like scene there where you're not exactly sure is this intentional or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of, you slowly get the idea that like, no, Giles knows what's up. He just needs Buffy to admit it. He, he kept asking these like logistical questions that just, so where were you standing and where was angel standing? Yeah. Yeah. So this was like a half an hour after we got rescued more like 10 minutes. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. But like, it's like, I, I feel like it's the perfect evolution of we've seen, Giles is understanding previously of like, there are certain things that happen in Buffy's life that she just doesn't immediately tell him what she it? needs to get off her chest. A fair amount of confidence in your audience there to not spell it out quite so directly until the end of the episode. Yeah. You know, like it isn't super obvious at first what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I just want to dive a little bit into the episode here. Yeah, we start with Willow in the fuzziest sweater of all time. Yeah, it's like this like light blue. I don't know. I don't know what kind of material that is. It, it looks scratchy to me. Maybe it's it soft. looks like 
like a like a washer dryer accident. I mean, all, all the clothes on this show are really something else. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it is kind of cute the way both Oz and Xander kind of pick her up by each arm and carry her off the curb and across the street. Yeah, so they're seniors now. They can eat off campus and not in that tiny ass cafeteria of theirs. Not that we were really, really like they just like go across the street to like a lawn and eat there. But sure. Are they even across the street or are they just like on the front lawn of the school like having a picnic? They've like crossed the like the bell like or not the bell, the, the bus like, you know, roundabout oh, or line. something. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, I know there's a blanket there, but come on, you're going to get grass stains. You know you're going to get grass stains. <laughs> not if you sit on the blanket. I don't know, man. Um, yeah, so Buffy's been expelled. This is this is that time period of the show. Like power move by Oz sitting on like the top of the bench with his feet on the, the thing, so he can like lord above them all. I mean, you're a short guy, you got to do that. Yeah, is that what you would do? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like standing. I mean, casually Sanders, on top of the table. Sanders like a foot taller than Oz, at least, right? You know, Oz has the height in the ways that count. Maybe Xander doesn't. (laughs) The moral height, yeah. Oh, Xander has such a dickish moment in this. We'll get to it in a little bit. Uh, Scott Hope. What's your feelings on Scott Hope? He looks vaguely like someone. I couldn't put my finger on it. Okay. I don't know. Maybe something about, like, cheekbones or something like that. But he's... I guess he's, like... uh, he surprises you by like not being who you think he is like consistently. And then he's just gone from the show. Well, and then we find out later he's, he's an asshole, but he's also going through his own thing. Is he, does he come back? Yeah, later? So, well, so we find out later that, um, How we find much out later? From the, in season seven. Okay. Okay. From Holden Webster, we find out that after they broke up, Scott Hope told everyone that Buffy was a lesbian. Ooh. And, th- and then a year later, Scott Hope came out himself. Okay. But I mean, Scott Hope looks like dudes we went to high school with. I, does he? I, 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 can, I, I can think of a couple, I guess. Yeah. I mean, this is like the time capsule aspect. I mean, there's like extras on this show, like the dudes with the ponytails. And I'm like, only one or two of those guys in my high school and they had bands. But like this guy, it's like, yeah, this was a dime a dozen. I, I can kind of think about a, a certain dude who this guy kind of looks like. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'll I feel tell, like you're working on a very... I feel like you're wearing that in a very mysterious way. I wasn't. Uh, okay. Um, also, let me ask you, what is this 1998 bullshit where Scott Hope just casually walks past this girl and says, hi, like who the fuck does he think he is? I don't know. Maybe kids do that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what goes on outside anymore. So yeah, it's true. Do we still have sun? <laughs> oh, it's it's been a fucking 103 degrees here. So yeah, we have sun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, then it's nighttime and we get Mr. Trick. Yeah, the uh, the intro to Mr. Trick here, who, for having his name in the title, I feel like never quite lives up to it. I feel like I I remember Mr. Trick a lot more fondly than he deserves. Yeah, um, maybe we're just not seeing like his good episodes. No, we kind of jump over quite a bit. Is this the one where he's just like going on about like, ooh, we get like a T3 line in here? And yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, even in 1998, would Sunnydale have that much fiber optic? Well, he says like the whole town got it or something like that. Yeah. But I was like, it was like old fiber though, not like, not like, you know, Verizon fiber. I was like, I was like, in 1998, really? Yeah. We weren't like doing like DSL and. No, it probably was DSL, but like, I, I I can I remember our school getting rewired to fiber, but it was like for like DSL speeds. Let me put it this way: I watched this show in high school, 
And if I wanted to get on the internet, you know, no one else could use the phone. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's how 105 years I fucking am. Um, yeah, it was trick arrives via limo. Uh, he goes to the drive through not at happy burger, not the double meat palace. Yeah. Yeah. I thought of that. Um, I like the way he pulls the dude out of the window and eats yeah. him because he's suddenly hungry. Oh, this is the podcast where we're, we're really old. Remember when a medium soda was 89 cents? <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you remember 59.79.99? Yeah. Well, I Taco I, Bell. I, there was the 29 cents, 39 cents McDonald's. On like Tuesdays or something, right? Or Like, like Tuesdays and yeah. Sundays. And then Taco Bell did the same thing. Um. Yeah, good times. You could eat a lot of gross shit for real cheap. You could you could stock up on like bean burritos, yeah, for like a buck fifty. Yeah, yeah. You're like, you know what's affordable? Uh, this obesity, um, this this heart problems. Uh, yeah, K. Todd Freeman is Mr. Trick, who I don't think I know him from anything else other than Gross Point Blank. That that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I know he's in Gross Point Blank too, and I I don't know. I didn't look at his IMDb. Maybe he's another stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, thank God. He's not Hank Azaria. Yeah. Um, yeah, I completely forgot about Kakistos. This dude has hooves. I I guess it's like if you're a vampire long enough, you get those. Is that yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That's, okay. that's why the master is like, like pseudo bat-ish. Right, right. I mean, of all the vampire mutations, this seems unfortunate. Do you think Angel like worries about that long term? Well, I don't know if we ever really get, like, what the exact age that you need to watch out for this shit is. Like, I don't know if, like, there's ever, like, uh, whatever this asshole called himself before he called himself the master. Like, going to his doctor and being like, yeah. hey, hey, Gary, uh, you might want to start worrying about, like, when the fruit punch melts. I mean, Angel, permanent. Is, Angel is 200. Darla was older. Um, I'm trying yeah. to remember if they gave her. I want to say maybe, like, 1600s is what she, where she's from. I can't recall. I have the wiki. Let me just see if the master has an age on the the wiki. I feel like There's all no, the TV show with no Eric, the Viking vampire god that he is, you know. True, true, true. God, I, I want. I could almost watch like maybe like the first three seasons of that show again. Um, I, I again, I've told you before. I know where that show dies. It was when he turns the, uh, the lady's head yeah, around. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. it dies there. I, I say it dies when uh, Eric gets amnesia. But oh, okay, yeah. But I mean, like uh, for sure, I could watch up to the uh, Hello Sport. <laughs> it's the new me. <laughs> um, let's see. They have a name for the master. It's Heinrich Joseph Nest. That's gotta be from like, a like, comic or something, right? I don't know. I feel like that's like a real Nazi name. Um, I don't know, man. I'm not seeing an age. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Still, I'd be concerned. You know, at what point does this, is this my fate? Especially like Angel. Like, you know what what they need to do if they, if they were to remake this show now, they need to have Angel kind of play off like, uh, like Jeff from Community, where it's like he's brooding. He's a, he's, he's righteous. He's worried about his soul. He's also like afraid of the fact that like, all he has to offer is his looks. His Instagram photos, the landscape. Yeah, I have no ego. <laughs> I know it's in the credits. They've worked in a lot of shots from uh, Becoming. They have not yet added in the Go Fish shot of Xander. I think that's like, it, it, it comes this season, but it's not in the yeah. credits yet. It's definitely by like by the wish we see it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, which, by the way, did you watch any other episodes besides these three? No, I didn't. Okay. So I actually watched all the way from this episode to the wish. So I watched all the in between ones too. 
Go right on. Yeah. So you got to see like the start of the mayor and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Um, so Buffy has, you know, an angel's dead dream featuring a third eye blind. Um, also decayed angel kind of looks a little bit like Lorne from the angel show. Yeah, yeah, the, like the color of the makeup and whatnot. I, I like how he starts bleeding from his chest there. That's a cool mm-hmm. effect. Um, then she uh, wakes up. Oh, it was just a dream, and she's looking at the little ring that he gave her, which uh, I guess he can just buy those at any dime store because Scott Hope's going to give her one later. Yeah, really? Is that uh, this episode? I think it is, right? Yeah, it is this episode. Yeah, yeah, okay. Also, what the fuck is this move? You don't even have a firm commitment to a first date. And you're like, I bought you jewelry. Yeah, I bought you this weird Irish friendship ring. Which, like, then retroactively brings a lot of questions about, like, Angel's purchase. Angel's got, like, 20 of them, you know. <laughs> it's like, this is my move. <laughs> it's like um, Christopher Walken's move that uh, DiCaprio takes in uh, Catch Me If You Can. Where he's, like, got the watch. He's like, oh, is this yours? I think he dropped it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you said that name, and I'm like, this watch was up my ass. <laughs> my ass. Five years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Buffy enjoys being with Snyder, like I said. Um, he gives them the requirements for her reentry to Sunnydale, including a glowing letter of recommendation from any member of the faculty who's not an English librarian. Yeah. This is a real hand wave here. Yeah. I like, I mean, it's like, there's no way they really let her back into school, but they do, and that's fine. I like that Buffy picks up the letter opener from this desk to fish with, which looks like a knife, which yeah. is a great way to signify, hey, I'm not violent. <laughs> and this is then we have Giles kind of fussing around with this spell he has to do. And Willow wants to help out. And there's kind of some concern about that. And, you know, it seems like she's still into the witchcraft stuff. Yeah, she's horny for magic. And she will get hornier. Like, uh, what is it? The uh, mm, sage. I love the smell. In Varnock root, you know, a smidge of this with a virgin saliva does something that I know nothing about. And what would that do? Like give you clear skin or something? I w- thought it was implied that it's orgasmic. It w- okay. Huh. Well, but yeah. Okay. But my first question is, okay, whatever the fuck Varnock root is and sage, but like any old virgin saliva? Oh, he said virgin saliva. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, what did you think I said? I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, anyway, back to the bronze again. This is where we get our introduction of faith. I always like when a character is first introduced, just kind of like in the middle of a crowd and we're not totally focusing on her. Yeah. Uh, the band, got Darling a wild, wild outfit, by the way. Yeah. Darling Violet is playing who would later do the angel theme song. Um, Willow and Oz are, I would call this sensually making out in the I would, couch alcove area. I would call it necking, I think is, is what they call that. I never actually got the etymology of the term necking. I don't know. That's what they do in like uh, Catcher in the Rye, I think. You know, looking at Buffy here, I kind of wonder, because she's like made up, but she's got this giant fucking crucifix around her neck. Like, how did that play? Yeah. You know, the people think like she's going to become a nun or something. I try <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I hear you say that and the, the Joe line comes in my head. Some chicks stay pregnant. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so again, fucking Scott Hope just like moseys over and it's like, hey, 
I mean, he's definitely it's me. You want to dance? He's definitely ex- exuding confidence here because he's what like, the fuck is that? What? The nineties, man. It's, we don't have confidence. I mean, it's, you know, that's, that's what they'd always say. You just got to be confident, you know, because he just yeah. walks up and he's kind of asking her if she wants to dance. And when she's not totally feeling it, he's just like, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to go out there and I'll be dancing around. Maybe I'll see you. That's pretty smooth. It's, um, I, I like it because it's like low pressure. I get like a real, like, like if, if there, there was a cloning tank that was like making a Freddie Prince jr. But it like, it came out of the oven a little early. That's Scott, uh, I think. Right. He kind of has I like would, a similar vibe. I would argue. I find this guy to be kind of vanilla. But I would oh, argue yeah. more handsome than a, than a Freddie Prince Ooh. of this era. Wow. Yeah. Okay. The only thing that Freddie, Freddie's got on this guy is a height. Okay. This and guy's also, sitting also on he top married of the, Michelle Geller. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're just going to rub that in. Uh-huh. I mean, Jesus. Absolutely. It's, it's harsh, man. Was uh, So she was in She's All That briefly, right? SMG? Was yeah. she? Yeah. Does she have a cameo? Recall. True story. Shocking story. Uh-huh. I have not seen all of She's All That. Really? Which I know is insane is, is, because... Is that a bet? Rachel is that a Cook, stupid bet? Rachel Lee Cook is my soulmate. Because uh-huh. um, this is my brain on drugs. Um, yeah, so... But I, I like the low pressure. I like the, you know, I'm just going to throw this at you. If you like it, send it on back. <laughs> if not, don't. Um, this is when Cordelia... I'm just so glad that we're utilizing Cordelia. Even though I'm not totally crazy about her storyline here i'm glad that we're utilizing her so she comes and complains about slotorama um and this guy that faith is dancing with and buffy's spidey sense goes off do you think maybe he was like turned in the 70s or something he just never moved on that's a long well i mean also the 90s this is 70s revival time for sure yeah well the 90s it's like for a while we were obsessed with the 60s then we were obsessed with the 70s then we were obsessed with the 80s so yeah i don't know i don't know if he i feel like his hair would be bigger if he just hadn't moved that's on true that's years. true yeah i mean but faith yeah, so is, she, is keeping you know pace with him here with her her disco dancing moves and her like crazy weird I, i'm not sure what like material those pants are they're like these weird like shiny stretch pants i feel like later on faith has some kind of storyline where she has to discern like good demons from bad demons. And yet she must full well know this guy's a vampire. And she's just like, I want to bust a move of somebody. Yeah. Um, but uh, the classic Buffy touch is, is her spidey sense goes off. She has to go rescue this girl or, or whatever. So of course it takes her right into Scott Hope's path. And, and she's, she's like, like Ooh, Ooh, no. Yeah. It, it does make sense that he eventually dumps her because she. Mixed know, signals. I, I from a from I'm a cold. from an outside observer perspective, she's kind of treating him like garbage, you know. Yeah, yeah. But like at a certain point, you gotta just like read the room. It's like she's not into you. Well, I kind of wonder too. Maybe he wouldn't have noticed this in the '90s and being a teenage boy. But like everything about her is screaming, "I have intense PTSD." I don't think a dude in the nineties is going to pick that up. I because I, I, I like that he's like, well, first of all, way too soon. Here's my ring that I bought you, yeah. and she's like, ah! Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they all go running out to the alleyway to watch. It's like Faith does now the dance of violence with this dude. I love how nonchalant she is about it. And she knows uh, who Buffy is. Yeah. Calls her B, an immediate nickname. 
Uh, she's got like this weird like tank toppy thing on with like a boob window that then has like uh, Power Girl like, like like bead curtains over the boob window. It's a look. It's a, it's a hell of a look. Um, also, she does this kind of classic thing. Um, they're kind of reminding me of Black Widow in the first Avengers movie where she like does the backwards headbutt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, what up? A, I'm a fake, punk. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, though I rewatched it's the that worst scene ADR Avengers. in that movie. Yeah. I, or not, not ADR, but fully. Yeah. I rewatched that scene and I always thought like, it doesn't look like her head's connecting at the guy's face. It's like, wow, her hair really fucked that guy up. Yeah. <laughs> Whip that hair around. Yeah. Yeah. So after the commercial, Faith's telling the story about how she fought off some vampires totally nude. Xander's yeah. about to pull it out and start stroking. Well, God bless her telling her stories and like having an audience that's responsive. But like, she has to know this is going to get tongues wagging, right? I don't know. It's just her personality. I think she's, uh, it's a natural defense mechanism for Faith to kind of put herself out there like that and like kind of prepare for people to judge her is, is kind of how I read the situation. Yeah, fucking Xander, though. I mean, the fact that, like, Cordelia, his significant other, in public, has to say, Xander, get a new thing. Like, that's cold-blooded. Like, the fact that she has to say, stop openly lusting after this girl in front of our friends. Well, he has a moment, too. I think it's when they're bringing, going to visit uh, Buffy, you know, outside of school. Where he kind of mm-hmm. like he puts it all on Cordy and Oz. I think it's earlier in the episode. Like he's, I don't know, he's a real dick. Yeah, he's a real piece of shit. Yeah. This is, uh, he is the absolutely fully to blame. Oh, wait, no, I'm, I'm sorry, that's a different episode. He has a moment here where uh, Cor- uh, Cordy is called uh, Faith a Slutterama. I think that's before this scene, right? Yeah. Um, and Xander has a, a line about it and he he basically he calls Buffy a slut and then Buffy punches him and he's like, ow, that really hurt, you know, because she's strong. But it's just like, Jesus Christ, Xander. No, that's at the uh, the picnic in front of the school. But yeah, 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 yeah. Is, that, is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's because I, I kind of thought rewatching it because, again, little things that I didn't remember, but I guess I must have at some level when she punches him. I'm like, I bet that really hurt. And yeah. he's just like, yeah. Um, yeah, so Faith wants to compare notes with Buffy because um, finally she has, you know, a coworker who's on her level. Wants to hear about the rocket launcher, and I would love to hear more about the grapevine of the Watchers. So Buffy starts to like tell this story, and then Xander, of course, is like interrupting to be like, "Hey, Faith, you said you wrestled some gators. Was this also a nude story?" Like, and she's ugh. like, "Well, the alligator was naked." Yeah, yeah. What a piece of garbage. Um, this Xander is. So, like, Faith, again, turns back to Buffy to ask her about her, like, toughest kill. I love, like, Buffy, of course, flashes back to Killing Angel. Um, Yeah, that's a nice little beat there, just like the quick flash. And this time, Buffy's now interrupted by Oz, who's just like, you know, what's your stance on werewolves? And she's like, as long as you don't go scratching at me or humping my leg, we're five by five, which is like, that's cool, whatever five by five means. I guess that's (laughs) your your catchphrase. (laughs) That will definitely be your catchphrase. She says it several times. In these first few episodes, um, also several hundred times over the course of her time, she's got an accent that can be best described as like a Boston accent that she's trying not to do. Yeah, she's like she's from Boston, and it, it seems like she's kind of trying to hide her Boston accent, but not or like not yeah. successful. Um, I mean, just lean into it. Just have her seen it, you know. I'll make it cool. I don't want to totally avoid it because it's topical to what we talked about earlier. 
you know, obviously the Eliza Dushku and the True Lies thing. But like, she's completely unrecognizable as the girl from True Lies to me is where I was initially starting off with. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, it's just it's a shame that that was a fucking nightmare for her. I mean, this is um, probably four years later, I think. Still, I would have never. Yeah. I, I did not know. I did not know to many years later, and I watched that movie, and I watched this show. Yeah. yeah. Um, they mentioned says there's a Watchers retreat. It's kind of a big deal, which, LOL. These fucking Watchers. How is Giles not their king? Really? First, like, watching these this first half of the season, it's like, how is Giles not their king? And also, how is he, like, just never really, like, read in? Like, is, yeah. he, is he, like, always not getting the memo on what's going on in the Watcher world? Like, he... He's the only watcher who has a slayer. What the hell are the rest of these assholes even doing? He's like, listen, listen, you, you prigs. Like I, I watch the slayer. You all watch me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, we find it's like, it's like if day, he had a, a baseball team full of like a hundred people and only one of them ever goes up to bat, but somehow the rest of them are more important. You know, it's like me and the girl of your dreams and finding out she's five. I don't think people are going to get that reference. No, sorry. That's from the, Horrible MTV ironic parody commercial. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bad joke. You yeah. don't. You're not a '90s kid. <laughs> um, so cut to the next day at the library where where everyone's there, and Josh has to confirm. Yes, the the Watchers retreat's goddamn awesome. It's a big deal. I've never been invited. Yeah, so I've heard. Yeah, but I've been the the main Vampire Slayers watcher for three years. You do the fucking math. <laughs> what are those other guys doing? They just have like some massive endowment that they're coasting on or something. I think it involves togas and paddling. Yeah, a lot of paddling for sure. Um, so Faith instantly makes a comment about Giles. If I had known they came that young and cute, I would have requested a transfer. Oh, do we skip and- over the uh, the Oz moment here where it's like, how did you become a vampire? And Buffy says, it's a long story. And Oz says, I got bit. And Buffy says, apparently not that long. Yeah. Um. So she makes this comment about Giles and Buffy's just like, uh, raise your hand if you, and Xana raises his hand, but Willow does not because I love Willow's like early intense crush on Giles. Oh yeah. He's, he's her librarian daddy. Yeah, exactly. Um, Willow gets some adorable ahas. This is like the first time I think in the course of the show, and maybe it's watching it now where I really felt Giles' pain and having to deal with teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, and I feel like uh, Elijah Dushku, just, you know, giving her some commentary here. Right off the bat, there's just something about the way her character moves, like the way she walks, and I don't know, like exudes like this confident sexuality. It's very much not Buffy. Uh, like right from the start, like I think originally like she was planned to like be like a one-off or something like that, or, or like, you know, just like in a few episodes, but immediately you're like, no, this is, has to be a character on this show. She's like way too compelling. What I like about her too is that, you know, a lot of times we think uh, the confident person is like very still and she's not really, it's like she has too much energy inside of her. No. Yeah. She's, she's moving constantly and just like Like all elbows and knees and yeah, strut. Yeah. And leather. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I believe she is now in the red leather pants here, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. Also this was tight red leather, like crimson red leather pants. This is a time when you could just wander onto school campuses all willy-nilly, too. Uh-huh. You don't go there? That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, here's that person who looks a lot older than the rest of us. Got They're like clearly a, not a student here. Yeah. What are the tattoos called? Like Armand tattoos where they go around your, your bicep there? She's got one of those. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Probably. <laughs> I mean, I guess she's hit. like Irish or something. Is that the idea with her? Faith Lahane? I yeah. don't know. I mean, she's from Boston. I don't think we ever actually hear her last name. No, I, mean, I, I don't think you shows. get the name until the comics. That's weird. That's that's annoying. Um, they did like five seasons of those comics. I just saw, and they like did like a weird reboot, didn't they? Yeah, they did a, re- a reboot. But like, I know they had done like a Buffy season eight, and they did a Buffy season nine. Well, there's a whole read, like Faith and Angel thing, yeah. Right, but I just read that they it actually ended with Buffy season twelve. Did it like end? Like, was there like a well, like a, I mean, a conclusion to the arc? As much as anything with Buffy concludes, as much as Buffy the TV show, you uh-huh. could argue had a conclusion. Um, and then they did the reboot. And it's like, well, no, I'm sorry. The hot thing, I guess, now is they did the reboot and then they just brought into the reboot universe Willow from the real world, from the okay. real Buffy verse. I, I don't know. It's fucking weird. Yeah. Like, this is what five minutes of internet research told me. Um, also, because Xander, spoiler for the Buffy reboot comic, Xander gets bit, gets turned into a vampire. And in I the guess reboot. Willow okay. in the reboot, and like right away, he gets he gets like right, 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 yeah. And then I guess the twist is that Willow, in order to save her friend, does some kind of spell where she gives him half of her soul. Okay. Yeah, I don't so know. So it's like means. not totally evil or something. Yeah, um, yeah, but it's like it's like fucking her up too. Okay. Anyway, so Buffy's having dinner for mom that night. Uh, Xander, Xander and Willow like kind of force her to invite Faith. Um, I like that, like, Buffy's like, well, I have one of these makeup tests that I have to do. I could really use your help, Willow. And Willow's like, great, Faith can hang out with us. Yeah. Oh, also, this, we get a little bit more with uh, Kukistos and Mr. Trick here. Mr. Trick's just like, this place is awesome. Let's set up shop. And Kukistos is, like, all about revenge on Faith for, like, damaging yeah. his eye. Um, because Giles used the word, I had, I had to say, sex can be a natural, zesty enterprise. Uh-huh. Um, also, Xander Willow give the loudest tour of all the horrific violence that happened on this this one set of the hallway of the Sunnydale High that they can. And then there's like a little mini fight between uh, Buffy and Faith here when they're like just walking through this like, I don't know, construction site or something. And Faith like is just like going to town on this vampire instead of helping Buffy out. And Buffy, you know, has a close call there. I feel like you're on fast forward there. Yeah, like uh, you, you totally walked over uh, Faith seemingly vibing with Scott Hope in front of Buffy. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, there's the moment where she like looks down the hall and uh, Scott Hope's talking to Faith there. Just yeah. making her presence known. There's some very cool Mr. Trick moments in that one scene, though. The um, what, like stay local, live globally, like worldwide web function to everything. Uh-huh. Uh, um, yeah, so there's the family dinner. Uh, I love Joyce's whole affect of like faith. So you're a slayer too, huh? How interesting. <laughs> oh, they're eating steak, carrots, broccoli, and French fries. It's a, and it's a lot a, of meal. A goddamn massive thing of fruit on that table. But I love that Joyce is just like fascinated by Faith's attitude. Like, like Buffy makes some kind of comment, and like Faith is just like, yeah, I don't want that kind of negativity into like my world. And like Joyce is like. How interesting. Yeah, I guess you really can't, can you? Hmm. I think Joyce yeah. immediately sees Faith as an out for Buffy. It's yeah. like, oh, you could yeah. be the slayer. Buffy doesn't need to. Yeah. <laughs> Buffy mentions that she's actually getting single white female, which at the time was a very like like current reference. Yeah. And Joyce is like, it's probably a good thing that you were an only child. 
which we'll see about that. Uh-huh. Although I think it's kind of fascinating that you could argue that our first, you know, glimpse or glimmer or hint of dawn is in that scene with Faith. That this kind of line happens in Faith's first episode. I don't know. Sure, sure. Um, uh, yeah, so they have the little fight, and Buffy's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And then uh, the next day, she's talking to Giles about this, and. Giles is, I think this is where he's trying to get more information about the uh, the logistics here. Like where exactly yeah. were you standing and what time was this when Angel got whacked and all that kind of business. And then more fucking Scott Hope. I like that he's like, uh, you know, he's, it's kind of voice of reason. He's like, you know, Buffy, you have to understand, like, Faith doesn't have a whole life here like you do. And she's like, she doesn't need a whole other life here. She's got mine. <laughs> uh, and this is where Scott Hope gives her the the weird, like, Irish, you know, soulmates ring or whatever this is that Buffy yeah. freaks out and uh, Giles witnesses he's kind of walking up can't yeah. imagine what Scott Hope must think of the way that this librarian is always like around Buffy again what does anybody think of these characters yeah um, the I mean I don't know the Buster Keaton thing that feels like I don't know, like a little too fancy for people a little too young. Yeah, really. For for a first day, a festival too. Trying a little too hard, kind of Buster Keaton. Like, let's go see the general. Like, I mean, yeah, it was anyway. it was the nineties, but sure, yeah. But anyways, I I do like that. Like right off the bat, the faith recurring theme of Buffy is this: like she's not just like the youngie and shadow figure. It's like when but when Faith shows up, she's there to steal Buffy's life. You know, like again, the this year's girl. Who are you in season four? And there's an episode later in season three with Faith when Angel pretends to turn evil for her. Right, right. And yeah. it's like, I feel like it's implied that they fucked, but I'm not sure. I don't think they do. I'm sure they didn't, but it feels like it's implied. Okay. Um, so so Giles drops that Faith's watcher's dead. So we kind of get the first glimpse that like this whole performative act of Faith's is like she's running from this trauma. But we see Faith the absolute- said that her, her watcher was on that retreat, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, we find out that Giles loves a good kayak. Um, sure. We see the absolute shithole that Faith is staying in. This uh, this real like piece of man meat uh, landlord here. With what a haircut that guy has! Like a quarantine haircut for sure. Also, any any job where you're like, I feel comfortable in this wife beater. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, wife beater and that hair. Yeah. Eighteen dollars a day for one of these rooms. Ooh. <laughs> I feel like he should be paying her. <laughs> I mean, what does that work out to? 18 times 30. Uh, it's 540 bucks a month. Jesus Christ. You could probably, in Sunnydale, because it's a TV show, like get a, a similar rent on a, a studio. I guess, yeah. Are, are um, there no coffee shops with apartments above them that have no bathrooms? Yeah. Um, Buffy brings, like... Mention of Kakistos and Faith freaks out. Back. Also, earlier when she mentioned it, I was like, yeah, I want some taquitos. Sure. Who doesn't? Uh, uh, yeah. Knock on the door. Kakistos is there. I like the the bit of like they do the peephole and there's the motel guy. And then he yeah, like, falls <laughs> they, over. Yeah. When they yeah. open the door. Um, R.I.P. that guy. I feel like. He yeah. Brought, he, I feel like it was a very brief role, but he brought something to it. You know, he is the uh, he's the he's got a real like bacon a cake yeah. energy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, so you, you gotta wonder so they, if maybe that guy is like one of the, like the grips or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Barry, this is your time to shine. Get your walk on part. <laughs> no, um, no, you don't need a costume. Just wear that. <laughs> but again, 
by the way, you're a grip. This is your place of work. Why are you wearing a wife beater to work? <laughs> um, so they, they get away from Kikisos, or so they think. They've been, like, forced into his lair. Well, Faith, and, like, Faith freaks out here. Like, when Kokistos first shows up, she just kind of, like, crouches in the corner. He's, like, holding her head, like, screaming. Like, she's totally freaked out. Because mm. he, um, he killed her yeah. watcher right in front of her. They don't even have words for what he did to her is what she says. Um, also, Kokistos apparently just means worst of the worst, which is, like, ooh, spooky, but, like, come up with a better name. This guy doesn't even rank in, like, the top ten Buffy villains. Come on. No. No, because, again... If he's got to pee or poop, how is he wiping? He's got cloven hands. It's the the rag on a stick. Yeah. Ooh. With a cloven hand. Sure. Um, So, like, first Buffy's, like, taking on the hench vamps, and then she goes to, like, stay Kikistos. And it is kind of funny that she, like, pokes him a couple times in the chest and it doesn't take. I guess he's just, like, he's too thick. He's swole. Yeah. He's a big boy. So he gets a faith finally like snaps out of it and grabs like this giant ass like four by four stakes him with that uh in the background mr trick has run away with some other vampire he was just like vengeance that's lame let's get out of here yeah vengeance quests are passe to the modern vamp um so the next day at the library bumps with willow and child she's like you know talking about how faith came through for her maybe we'll keep her after all and this is when we you know find out that the watchers have approved letting faith stay so she gets a new watcher i mean i'm sorry did they take a break from their retreat yeah really from their like <laughs> open talk kayaking They're like oh he wants to watch them both yeah sure whatever man they they really took a break from like trust falls and like doing like the ropes course to pass this legislation um so this is when she tells him like how angel was cured and the spell worked etc cetera, etc cetera. uh we will wait four more seasons to like tear into xander about his part in all this yeah, although, I don't know. I, I never totally hold that against him, I think. Mm. I was thinking a lot, I'll say, before I forget, when we get to it, I love that Anya shows up in the episodes we're talking about because I always link her back to Selfless, which is, like, it, not just in my top ten of Buffy episodes. It might be in my top five. It's a good episode. I love that episode. Uh, yeah, so Buffy leaves relieved to finally got an offer chest. Uh, there's no spell. Scott Hope shows up he's wearing a sweater vest that's not cool it's like a crimson sweater vest over a salmon shirt yeah was this i mean was this this wasn't cool even back then right i don't know like i don't know if he asked one the those, guy who wore bowling shirts to school i mean that was pretty fucking cool i think this is one of those things where they wanted a lot of color on screen it's like this is a but wb uh, show this color lots of color yeah this color <laughs> i mean i feel like i would sport yellow before i would sport salmon Okay. Uh, anyway, this um, is where Buffy, she goes back to that mansion where all the shit went down and becoming, and she sets her little Irish soulmate ring down, and she leaves, and it's like, oh, it's the end of the episode, right? Nope. Suddenly, like, like light comes on, and there's some flashy flash, and then, oh, shit, there's Angel. He's back. He's, like, falling yeah. out of a portal. He's wet, and he's nude. Yeah. Pretty good little fake-out into the episode here to tease that i mean he knew he was coming back he knew he you know he's getting in his own show at this point but you knew mm-hmm. he's also coming back to buffy yeah which is which is the one complaint i had even at the time going into season three was like it was kind of a lame duck thing yeah i mean i think they deal with it in an interesting way where yeah. they they kind of write him to a place where he can exist on the show at least temporarily but yeah so you know rather than the biblical faith hope and love we get faith hope and trick 
Oh, is that what that's from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, we got our Faithful Hane, our Scott Hope, and our Mr. Trick. So, this next episode. That's 3E08 Lover's Walk. I don't know who the fuck Dan Weber is, and I feel like that's crazy considering how good this episode is, which makes me wonder, like, was this one of the ones where, like, Marty or Joss came in and rewrote the shit out of? I mean, there are parts of this episode that do feel a little different than your typical Buffy episode, so it wouldn't shock me if, if that was the case. Um, and I but think I, the director isn't one of the common ones as well. But I, I, I think he might have done one of the ones we talked about last time. But, like, I love just their, like, you know who was fun was Spike. Let's bring him back for one episode. And then, like, oh, shit, Spike's great. What if we brought him in for as a regular? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have seven moments. All right, let me take a look. Um, so, actually, for each of these episodes, I have five. Okay, I will nail off my first two. Uh, number seven, you know, the moment uh, Cordelia and Oz walk in to find Willow and Xander making out. Ooh. At some point, everyone everyone likes something naughty, but uh, it has consequences, yo. It's everyone, uh, huh? I, I don't believe I've ever been caught in such a situation. At some point in their life, everyone is into some kind of naughty situation that will okay. go very wrong because you were probably in a bad place, so they'll find it hot in the first place, whatever. Um, number six, Oz suggests like celebrating like a double date just the four of them, and Cordelia instantly mouths no to Xander. <laughs> I love that. It's your number five. I felt especially bad for Cordelia in this episode. Uh, number yeah. five, just the uh, little wordplay with loose cannon, rock the boat. Is that a mixed metaphor from the mayor there? Yeah, number five, uh, the mayor, Harry Groening. Um, Man, talk about the perfect writing of a fun, silly, and thus truly menacing villain with great casting. Um, and just like working on a short game in the office. Sell a soul for a short game. Too late for that. <laughs> uh, number, four. number four, just various stuff with Spike and Joyce. First, when Spike has kind of a, told his love learn story to Joyce, and Joyce says, well, she sounds very unreasonable. Charles cracks me up. Uh, but then, like, when uh, Angel shows up and he can't get in, and Spike is like doing the little like teasing, like, fangs behind uh, yeah. Joyce. It's a very funny shot. Uh, later, they'll just talk about passions together. Um, but number four is actually the fight with Buffy, Spike, Angel, and like Lenny's gang outside and then inside the magic shop. It's pretty like, impressive. It looks really good for 1998 TV shows. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, my number three is just there's a nice funeral fake out there at the end mm-hmm. where it's like Cordy's kind of gotten impaled by a rebar and then she passes out and it's like oh shit what happened and it's like cut to funeral and then it's just Buffy and Willow walking by it <laughs> yeah uh, number three I have like two linked moments here it's uh, one first Angel goes off to bed to like masturbate to like philosophical French novels or whatever Sarder. and like yeah, Spike's like drunkly telling him off and then walks, trips, passes out, wakes up in the sun later, hand catches on fire. It's running around like madcap, trying to avoid the sunlight. Uh, like this is like the first half of season four right there. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, let's see, number two, the, the fight that you mentioned. It was neat to see them all fight together. It was kind of like, oh, wow, these guys can like kick ass when they're all teamed up. Yeah. Well, and like they're they're inside the ma- the magic box at one point fighting, and then they go outside, run to this gang, fight, go back in the magic box for like a siege. There is a lot of fighting for sure, yeah. Uh, like it just it feels like this episode should have taken like twice as long to film just because of the stunt work. Uh-huh. 
Um, my number two is the moment you were talking about with Spike and Joyce's heart to heart and him like uh, teasing Angel. But I just, I love that after her, well, she sounds very unreasonable. He's like, she is. She's out of her mind. It's what I miss most about her. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Uh, so my number one, this is probably your number one as well. Um, the uh, just the classic monologue from Spike here. You're, You're not friends. friends. You'll never be friends. You'll be in love till it kills you both. You'll fight and you'll shag. And you'll hate each other till it makes you quiver. But you'll never be friends. Love isn't brains, children. It's blood. Blood screaming inside you to work its will. I may be love's bitch, but at least I'm man enough to admit it. I think this is the core of why, other than, you know, the one thing. Seeing red. Seeing red, um, which we all saw red. Um, I respond more to Spike because he's he's so much more honest about his feelings. But like, there's a much more, I don't know, consistent through line with him for the most part i guess even into that quite frankly graphic and unfortunate scene because even his his moment in touch with her he tells her you know the thing about him has always been that it's it's his blood and it doesn't always run in the direction of his brain um i don't know like i i feel like rep like comparatively angel's so boring well i mean i think it's just it's a taste thing you know we're we're both people who are more drawn to a character like Spike, who's kind of self-deprecating and funny and kind of blunt and honest. Whereas Angel's all like broody and closed off and, you know, man, a few words type deal. But I mean, even his emoting, it's not like I'm like, Oh shit, I get volumes out of this. It's like, where a Spike. It's like, there's so much to give you so I mean, much I, to chew on. I just assume that it, it, depending on who you are, you're a Spike person or an angel person, you know? Not that there's only those two kinds of people, but I'm sure some people respond a lot more to, to Angel's whole vibe than Spike. But we're and again, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The only moment in which I truly, in a, in a relationship-esque fashion, I ever truly, truly, truly liked Angel is when he pointed at Riley and he said, you actually sleep with this guy? Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I'm a monster. All right. Well, um, I assume that was your number one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he finds the rat size. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Lover's Walk. This is, uh, for several episodes now, since the Homecoming episode, I believe, uh, Xander and Willow have been uh, having some secret smooching going on. Mm -hmm. Which, watching it now, because I watched all those episodes in the kind of intervening, you know, here, um, they don't come off great. I bet not. It's hard not to... I don't, I try not to, but it's hard not to read into, uh, you know, the creator of the show here and what influence you might have on, uh, especially just the, the complete lack of guilt Xander feels for the whole thing. Yeah. Whereas Willow feels nothing but guilt. Yeah. And Xander is just kind of like, hey, man, it's hormones. What are you going to do? Yeah. He has a truly egregious moment in The Wish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he has many, <laughs> but, uh, oof. Uh, so Wesley has not shown up in any of these episodes yet, right? No, he doesn't show up for a few more. I think the previous one was a Gwendolyn Post one, 307, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so the they, Gwendolyn they Post first, one. They just find out that Angel's alive in the previous episode and Faith's, Faith's fake watcher shows up. Okay. Oh, that's not the one where, where Faith is... The one I'm thinking of that where... They Re- play Revelations along, like, is the, the title. There you go. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. 
Um, yeah, so we start with Willow lamenting her 740 verbal on the SATs. And Xander points out that her verbal score is close to his entire combined score. I mean, honestly, what it does. Yeah, seriously. No wonder he's... Uh, God, what does he do later? He's like oh, a yeah. contractor or something. Although Buffy does have a higher score than me on the SAT. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, she's 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 awesome. Um, and fourteen thirty is no joke. Although I, I don't think those. I think they changed the way the scoring works, and so you might be hearing this now and thinking something different about like you know what her score is because I don't think they're like they're the same scale anymore. This was uh like this was my benchmark going in the SATs, and then I I didn't do as well as Buffy, so yeah, I I felt like a fucking failure. Yeah. Granted, I'm no Buffy. She's pretty awesome. Um. Also, Willow references Cletus the Slackjawed Yokel, which I feel like is very dated. That's a Simpsons uh, joke. Yeah, um, I I know the Simpsons is still on, but like yeah, it's been. I have not watched that show now for longer than I ever did watch it. If that makes yeah, sense, much longer. Yeah. Um, whereas I I feel like up until a couple of years ago, I would regularly still find a way to like. Like not by choice, quote or reference the Simpsons in everyday life, and that has lessened quite a bit. Okay. Um. So yeah, Xander sits and like comforts her, and like this is when Cordelia and Oz show up, and we find out also that Cordelia secretly done pretty great. Cordelia tests well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Again, it's the moment I love when like Oz like we should all celebrate a double date, and Cordelia is just like no. <laughs> it must be hell for her. This foursome, this quartet, or this quintet. I mean, I just felt especially bad for Cordy because she's got like his pictures in her locker later. Like, it's, yeah. I don't know, read the, like, do you have any self awareness at all, Xander? It's clear that, like, this girl, it's not just like a, a weird physical thing where she hates you anymore. She clearly has like strong feelings right here. And, yeah. And he does not even, even Seth Cohen got it more than Xander did. Yeah, right? really. Um, yeah, like uh, Cordelia's like, hey, Buffy, like now you can escape Sunnydale because, like, what kind of moral would ever want to come back here? Cut to Spike crashing again to that Welcome to Sunnydale sign. Well, the way he just runs it over. Yeah. Also, <laughs> DUIs are not funny. <laughs> oh, when you're Spike the Vampire, they are, I guess. Yeah. So he's like wandering around this old lair of theirs, like seeing the Sid Vicious version of My Way, <laughs> smashing. Although things. I don't think we know that it's the Sid Vicious version of My Way yet. You might recognize it if you know the song. Um, He's clearly not doing the old blue eyes version. In the credits now, we we now have that shot of uh, Go Fish Xander. And I think there's also a shot of Buffy like on the beach, which I think is from Anne. I don't think she goes to a beach in Anne. She's like, I don't know. I didn't watch Anne, so I'm not sure. But it's like, it's she's clearly like in a bathing suit or something next to the ocean. I'm not sure what episode that's from. Oh, that's a good question. Because the only time I could think about them going to the beach is in the season five premiere. Well, obviously it's not from that. Yeah. Um, Although it's always weird to me that like they went to the beach in the same episode with Dracula. Mm-hmm. Man. That um, episode. Huh? That episode is... I, I want to say I only watched it like, you know, twice, like when it aired and right after and just never touched it again. I can tell you that I really want Xander's one shirt from that episode. Oh, yeah, it is a good shirt, yeah. Yeah. Um... That was part of the thing, too, is not totally, not always, but like I think part of the thing of Xander at the time in that naive period was thinking like, this is a guy I would dress like. No, he's a, I don't he's know a if that's cool a, dude. 
I don't know if that's an, as important thing for guys. I, I know we associate that more with women, but I, I feel like it's probably just as prevalent and we just don't realize it as much amongst men. Well, I think this was the kind of archetype put forward was this is a cool guy. He's not like a weird meathead jock and he's not some loser nerd. He's like, uh-huh. he's for for you, you know, you the cool guy who watches this show. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He's got sideburns he was- and he starts to think maybe you could pull off sideburns. <laughs> You know what I'm talking Sideburns, about. Sideburns, the bangs for men. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Always a mistake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, like, even on PLL, like, especially the later seasons, it was like, I don't care if I had, like, the physique that I wish I had. I'm not going to wear that many Henleys. <laughs> How fucking boring is that? <laughs> we all go through uh, a Henleys phase in our lives, you know? I guess so. It's like, well, yeah, when they get to Target, I guess. Um yeah, so at the lockers, like Sanders, like trying to talk Cordelia into a bowling double date with Willow and Oz, which on one hand, that's very high school, and these are high school kids. On the other hand, my God, Xander, you're trying to like drink champagne out of like a like a fruit roll up pouch or whatever here. That sounds kind of good. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's got he she's got the picture like you said in the locker door. He's gonna fuck that up. I mean, Meanwhile, Oz what, has gone. What kind of dating kids. do you even do in high school? It's it's a choice between like the movies, mini golf, bowling, and what like Scandia, just some straight up finger blasting. Sure. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean the guy. There was always something kind of fishy about like the dudes or the couples that you would know in high school who were like actively, regularly going on dates. It's like, okay, Miss, like Mister Little Rich Boy. Yeah, it's like did they have a job or something, you know. I just presume now, after watching a bunch of movies, that you all had uh, Andrew, what's his name, handing you a bunch of C notes like your Heath Ledger, and that this oh, girl yeah. was a stupid bet. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Oz has got Willow a cute gift, just cause a little Pez witch, and she wants to get a little werewolf for it. And um, yeah, she's definitely feeling the guilt. Xander, even after seeing those pictures that Cordelia has of him in his locker. It doesn't really seem like it registers with her with him. No. It's just like, oh, cool. Well, he's, he's, and I don't want to compare him to animals, but like he is the dog of two bones. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh. That's about his intellectual level there. Yeah. Um, so Giles is like packing for a camping trip of his own. Yeah. Giles do going magical camping. shit. He's like, oh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to go out of town and do shrooms by a lake. <laughs> Buffy makes a joke about how he packs like she does. Yeah. Um, I like that, though, that, you know, he's proud of her, her SAT scores and she thinks that he's going to, you know, talk her out of the idea of college and that she needs to be responsible for slaying duties. But he's like, no, you like you should consider a higher education. This is great. I mean, those are pretty good SAT scores, you know, like they're great SAT scores. Yeah. Um, by this point, everyone like said everyone knows that Angel's back. I like that Giles is basically like, Please don't go to the bone zone of Angel while I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, could could you not? Maybe we we did the Angelus thing once already. Like later, she's like, I, I fooled Giles, and it's like clearly you did not fool Giles. Yeah. <laughs> he is going camping with this cloud of fear over his head. In the hallway, Xander Willow talking about their upcoming double date. Willow, of course, is worried that Cordy and Oz are going to figure it out. Oh, he's like trying to mac on her, like right there, and like stroking her hair, and she's just like, no. Step back. 
he is about to just like nibble her ear. Uh-huh. It's like you're uh, in public at school. Yeah. Or both, school. both of your significant others are somewhere nearby. On one hand, they are very capable actors and they are playing off intense chemistry. I do think they have good chemistry, yeah. And I and I I I do like this storyline in general. Um I don't like seeing like the character like Cordelia suffer, but well, well this was like I the, think this the is coupling a great... you were rooting for at first, you know. Well, and that's you know, that's the price of yeah. of the getting what you want is that you get what you once want. But like this is a great way to wrap up those first two seasons of like uh, 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 like romantic chemistry and romantic like tension. But also, I think textually or, or subtextually, it says a lot about where Willow's going. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think she, like it takes two to tango here. She's clearly unhappy with something in her life, even when she has an incredibly great thing of Oz. And it's like some part of her knows that that's not right for her. Right. I mean, I guess you could read into that now. I don't think it was planned at the time that way. No, 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 no. But whatever. Um, also, she's correct, though. Bowling is a very sexual date. Yeah, all those balls. Balls. And then if you if you score a strike, you have to hump the ground. Everyone yes. knows this. That's true. Uh, uh, there's a pre scene with uh, Joyce and Buffy here where they're kind of talking about her future. And then cut to Angel just brooding by like firelight reading Sarter and. Uh, Spike kind of like drunkenly sees, you know, <laughs> speak about nausea. <laughs> yeah. Spike well, watches I, I like this from the, outside, and then he just passes out and wakes up in the sun and turn lights on fire. I like that. Like Joyce has all these like local brochures. Again, UC Sunnydale is slowly coming into being, <laughs> and like this idea that's like, hey, Faith is just like a Dumbo townie, right? Like we can leave her here. And then Joyce, of course, there's a lot of great trans like dialogue transitions in this show. Like Joyce is like, honestly, Buffy, is there anything keeping you here? And then Cut like, to the, Angel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this is just like the the madcap comedy of James Marsters. It's it's clear that they've realized that this guy is just fun. He's fun to have on your show. And it's like, how yeah. how can they keep him around? Because he is theoretically a villain, but he's just too much fun to kill off. Well, and they they it's an incredibly hard dynamic and mixture that they get with him because he is like an absolute fucking gesture here like a gesture sorry not a gesture a gesture here but then like he can turn on the menace still quite effectively Mm -hmm. you know and then like later obviously when like xander stops being the uh the proxy for the writer of the show and spike becomes like the action hero proxy (laughs) um you definitely see like he's like the hero in a lot of ways romantic hero Anyway, so at the Dragon's Cove, uh, this is the magic shop that will later looks more like the magic shop that we'll come to know and love. Um, Spike is shopping for curses for Angel, something with boiling pustules on his face. Uh, I like the way um, this lady, the shopkeeper, is like helping Spike out, and then Willow walks in, and she's yeah. just like, "Why don't you fucking chill over here, dude? I'm going to go help out this other customer entirely, and then I'll get back to you." Yeah. But, like, there's a way, I mean, considering, like, it took me years to realize that James Marshers wasn't British. I, that still blows my mind. Like, I, I think like I was watching that Runaway show, and it took me, like, three episodes to realize it was him. Oh, interesting. But, I like, he has a great way of saying certain sentences that, like, with the accent, you don't realize how funny they are at first. When he's talking about the leprosy, and he's just like, yeah, make his parts start falling off. And I, I, it took me, like, 
like a delayed laughter fit. It's that Juilliard training. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like, when he does the fake American accent in season four, <laughs> I'm Xander's friend. Yeah. Anyway, so Willow's getting an anti-love spell, which Spike overhears this, and he's like, oh. A also, he is near an end cap, and on the end of the shelf is a sculpture that looks like Maleficent with tits. Yeah, I don't know what that thing is, but it's there. Like Maleficent Mistress of Boobs. I mean, there's straight up nipples. Yeah, there are. <laughs> this, is a, this is a WB show. Uh-huh. That's sculpture, then get away with it. But uh, yeah, at the end of this, Willow is able to get all the ingredients that she needs for the D lesson spell for like $15. And Man, the- that Clinton economy, right? I know. And then you're <laughs> like, oh, this shopkeeper seems nice. I wonder if it's going to have an. Oh, she's dead. Spike killed her. Yeah. Spike has a new idea now. <laughs> He follows his blood. Uh-huh. And then the mayor. Ah, oh, the mayor. Oh, is this the butt oh, hut scene here? Yeah, I kind of wish we could have done almost like a lost episode where we see the first two seasons again, but from the mayor's perspective. Because they'll reference stuff in, in this episode and in other episodes. Like, oh, last time Spike was in town, he caused quite a bit of trouble. Yeah, yeah. I know that, like we talked about last time, that there are these like oblique references to like, I need to go inform the mayor. Uh-huh. But it's like, it's just fun to see him. I, I I can't wait to get to the scenes of the mayor like being the new dad for Faith. Oh, they're creepy from what I recall. Yes and no, though. I feel like there is... It, it's creepy, but there's also still like a genuine affection. Like He actually does want the best for her in a weird way. Yeah, I just, that, that kind demon. of thing always creeps me out, I guess. Yeah, well... Whenever like, there's like a girl who's in her teenage years and like some other dude's just like, I'm the new daddy. It's just weird to me. I mean, it's not like it's like full deep dlg or anything like that um yeah uh yeah so willow's doing her delusting spell xander's trying to put the moves on her during the delusting spell yeah that's why Uh, she's doing one dude which though to be fair i do get i do feel him when it's like we shouldn't have to resort to the black arts to get our hormones in check not that you know not that he's proving the point per se but yeah i mean you dug your own grave there dude but like this will be a huge problem for Willow going forward. Where she thinks that magic will solve all of her terrestrial issues. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, of course, Spike shows up to kidnap them. Oh, I think we skipped over an episode where Buffy goes to visit uh, Angel here. And I can't remember. I'm trying to remember the, the context of this scene. But like she gets out of there pretty quickly. She just like has a, like a brief conversation with them. And she's like, oh, look at that. I'm leaving already. Yeah. She's going to go train. Yeah. Um yeah, Spike like uh, gets gets them back to his factory. Um, threatens to shove a glass bottle through Willow's face, which is hard to watch. It's, it's very intense. You. It's very like he might be lovable, Spike, but he is still capable of brutality and violence for sure. He's it, yeah. You know, I, there's no chip there. It's like no, he really could do this in the scene if pushed. I mean, it's but this is why he's always been an interesting character because he. He's clearly like an inhuman vampire creature, but like he's more in touch with like those kind of pathetic real aspects of humanity. Uh-huh. Um, I just wish that they could have found a better impetus for him to get his soul back. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. I'm just yeah. going to push that off in the future because I don't want to have that conversation right now. Yeah, yeah, but uh, so it's immediately undercut with, or undercut with, uh, he's dismayed that Drew didn't have the decency to kill him or behead him. She just left. And he's like, I mean, he's like kind of caressing Willow's hair here and like crying on her shoulder. It's effective and also really creepy at the same time. 
Because he, like, yeah, he starts to yeah. smell her hair, and it's like, oh, where is this going? And some of the some of the dialogue is like it's so darkly hilarious. Like I gave her beautiful jewels, and beautiful dresses, dresses and beautiful, beautiful girls, girls in them. Yeah. And then of course he caught her fooling off a chaos demon. Demon. You ever seen a chaos demon? They're all slime and antlers. They're disgusting. I gotta say, people who upload shit to YouTube, you let me down because I can't find that guy oh, that. on YouTube. I really wanted to watch him. Yeah, he's pretty gross from what I recall. I, I, oh, he's hilarious. I love that guy. When he like walks away and he does the little call me gesture. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so even even crueler, even bigger in dignity, Drusilla told Spike that they could still be friends. <laughs> How could she be so cruel? How could she indeed? And then the creepy line of, I haven't had a woman in weeks. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think he's supposed to be like he hasn't fed, but the other implication certainly there. Yeah, the implication is real. Um, so the the you know he's basically striking the thing like uh, I like that she dictates some terms. There'll be no glass bottles to the face. There'll be no having. Do your fucking spell. And he's like, yeah, you will, or I'll kill your like shitty friend over there. Uh-huh. And the plus side is Xander's unconscious for a good chunk of this episode. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so let's see the next scene here. Buffy's doing some jumping rope in her workout clothes, and Cordy and Oz run up because um, I think they they'd gone to where they're supposed to meet uh, Willow and Xander, and there's like broken glass and like signs of a fight, so they're freaked out. Yeah. Uh, so she sends them off into the woods to find Giles. Um, and what's Giles going already... to do? Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of wonder if it's just like. Go be you useful. two can't help. Yeah. yeah, you two can't help me. Go go on a 45-minute drive. Okay. Um, so she's getting ready to tool up. She gets a call from her mom about college shit. And then she hears Spike's voice in the background. It's a good so moment like, oh, there. Shit. Yeah, where, where she hears Spike. That's pretty nice. And then, of course, the, the classic, like, the tension. And then we under, underplay it with at the commercial. He's just, like, having tea with Joyce in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, this seems great. Yeah, uh, I miss Christina Sutherland. Christine Sutherland. Um, also, also, he's like, also, do you have those little marshmallows? <laughs> Got to get the little marshmallows, man. Wait for them to melt a little bit. And the hot chocolate tastes just right. Yeah. Um, I like that, the, you know, we, we think about how Angel's going to like run in and save Joyce here. What the fuck is he doing near Buffy's house? Is he just yeah, like, I miss. Just lurking. Also, have we ever seen him wear a brown suede jacket before? Is he not in his usual like, no, dark thing? No. Okay. Brown suede jacket. The fuck is this thing? I remember listening to the Fire Bad Tree Pretty podcast. They said one of the episodes, uh, Angel wears a tan jacket or something like that, which I did not remember at all. On Buffy? Yeah. Huh, okay. Yeah, he's usually like, all it's like, dark clothing. That's like, uh, you know, number one is people in, re- overreacting to Obama wearing that tan suit one time. Number two, Boreana's is Angel. In a tan jacket. You might as well put him in a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, so again, the comical moment where he can't rush in because he's been de-invited. I mean, uh, always like a good uh, invite uh, scenario with vampires. Yeah. So, of course, you know, Buffy lets him in and they, like, overpower Spike. And as they're talking to Spike, Joyce is, like, learning all sorts of new things. Wait, Willow's a witch? Wait, Xander's a witch, too? No, I said Xander's a bitch. He's just a little bitch. Um, yeah. So Spike has a spell for them to do, and that's it. He's like, all right, Buffy, you and your big poof can tag along. 
<laughs> yeah, they get away with a lot of that. Um, uh, I had no idea the later connotations of this word. They they get away with a lot of of slang. You would like it because it's British. It just slides yeah. right by. And if it was English, you would definitely not be able to get away with it. Well, like uh, that's the thing about British words, man. Like uh, Loki says something really nasty to Black Widow in that Avengers movie. Immunely and us Quib, Ameri- yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Us Americans are like, huh, interesting. <laughs> People from the UK are like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, again, I, I find it fascinating that atonement, that word is like a whole plot point. I mean, the whole story pivots on, uh, uh, what's his name? James McAvoy saying the C word. That's right, yeah. I'll leave when I'm good and ready. Um, so we're going to send uh, Oz and Cordelia driving. Cordelia's, like, worried they've been kidnapped by Colombian drug lords, which who might be cutting off their parts. But Oz can smell willow which is endearing but also gross especially like you're in a car driving and you yeah. can smell her like okay that's some wolverine shit there you know i think there's times when you want to be smelled and you want that smell to be pleasing and there's times when you're like hey stop fucking smelling me sure uh so then we're back to our, our just our fun little trio here of yeah. buffy angel and spike walking through town. I, I think there's a funny comment here where Buffy's just like, oh, he's probably got him in the factory. And he's just like, why would I do that? Or something like that. You know, they that'd be to far this, too obvious. Yeah. They get to this bench where he reminisces about how he and Drew killed a homeless man. On this we, bench. we killed a homeless man on this bench. Yeah. He begged for mercy. And you know, that only made her bite harder. Classic. I, the only thing missing again, I, I'd rewatched a lot of Arrested development over the last few months. I just kept waiting for like a her uh-huh. <laughs> when he's talking about Drusilla. Uh, so they go to the magic shop to get the, the love spell ingredients that Willem needs. He's whining again about the love spell to get her back. And Angel was like, a lot of effort for someone who doesn't even want you. She's kind of fickle. <laughs> they fight a little bit. Uh, Buffy has to break them up. Well, the, 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 I love her line here. Where like, you know, he's like, it's all your fault. I'm nothing about her. And yeah, Puppy's like, yeah, I would have to agree with that. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, so the, the speech about being friends, um, the factories, Andrew wakes up, he and Willow are locked in the basement. Uh, they feel like they're in the heat of a life or death situation. There's a, there's a real, like, out. we could die, you know, we're probably going to die tonight type thing. And it's like, Either I don't do the spell and he kills us, or I do do the spell and then he kills us, or he gets too drunk and forgets about us, and we just start <laughs> the death in here. Yeah. And they start making out, and that's when Cordelia and Oz find them. Yeah, they just walk right in, and oh, fuck. And Oz is stunned, but in his usual um, kind of you know low-key way, but Cordy is pretty horrified. I kind of wonder about the dialogue here because they wrote Cordelia saying oh god and then Xander writes oh god or says oh god and then Willow says oh god Oz and then like did somebody type oh god for Oz and they were like no nah, delete it he wouldn't say that <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and so Cordy is so horrified she tries to just like run away and like run up these steps which are you know it's this old burned down factory so that she falls through them and they're like, oh, shit, Cordy, are okay? And they look down through this hole, and she has been impaled in rebar. It really looks like that would kill her. It looks like it would be going through at least part of her liver there, but maybe it just missed everything because uh, that is a full-on impaling there. Did you read the trivia about this? I did not. 
so apparently Chris McCarpen had a childhood accident where she fell on a piece of rebar as a kid Yikes! in pretty much the exact same spot. So she actually has a stomach scar right there. Huh. Okay. Did they yeah. know that? <laughs> they had to, well, have, right? I mean, it'd be weird if you wrote that scene. You're like, that's funny. The same thing happened to me. Okay. This tied into like my detective conspiracy theories. About okay. the thing. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like that's a, that's certain a scars detail. you might know about. Yeah. That's an intimate detail. Yeah. Anyway, um, I can't tell you people how offline we ha- we we muse. That <laughs> <laughs> we talk about it a lot. Uh-huh. It's entirely unimportant. No one, no one's business. But we're curious. Um, after shopping, Buffy and Angel are walking with Spike, eager to get rid of him. And this one, the Committee of Vampires, the Mayor's Committee of Vampires, shows up. Are these the mayors? Well, the mayor's like be, right. Yeah, because he the does- mayor says send a committee uh-huh. yeah yeah he, he tells his uh, so deputy commercial, mayor to go handle them after the commercial we have a great crane shot of this rumble about to go down this must take him forever to film it just looks too fucking good there's i don't uh, know what at least a dozen or so vamps here yeah yeah there's one vampire lenny used to work for spikes so this is personal and it definitely seems like but at like, this point in the show like three vampires versus one buffy is like a pretty heinous fight yeah. You know, like yeah. they, they haven't been so nerfed that she's just like wiping them out left and right. Well, I mean, like at season seven, they're like, we need mutant vampires to yeah. up the stakes. And then for um, one episode, like she can barely beat one. And then like the next episode, she's beaten like multiples at a time. Yeah. Yeah. She's just like beating the shit out of them. Um, how is this personal for Lenny? Did Spike not pay him? Was he yeah. just like a really bad boss? Was he just mean? What? You know, is he just like kind of a verbally abusive boss? You can live forever. And you're like, you know what I'm going to do is work for this asshole. Yeah. We get like a <laughs> double like, impaling here where she like stakes two dudes together. Yeah. And then like the impressive shot of the uh, like the pool cue or like whatever this broom handle like is. It falls to the ground after they dust. Yeah. Also, back to Lenny. This is hilarious to me because he's really it's personal for Spike. So he's like, you two can go. And it's like, dude. This is the fucking Slayer. And this is her weird boyfriend. Yeah, <laughs> you really. should be more concerned. <laughs> so they fight outside. They run indoors inside the magic shop. They barricade up the place and they start fighting inside. There's some cool use of the uh, like the rolling ladder there, like the library type ladder. Yeah. Um, bookshelf yeah. ladder to like knock guys over. It's a lot of fighting. Which makes me also think that like this, in addition to like, hey, we need to bring back that James Marsters. They had to be like, that's kind of a cool set. What if we did something with this like in a year and a half? Yeah, um, yeah I wonder. My only complaint my only complaint about this scene is, I, I think I kind of minorly talked about it last time. <sighs> the score does not hold up for me. It's like fake strings, keyboard stuff. It's like action music. It, yeah, yeah. It reminds me that the, the, the only thing that I don't like about The Princess Bride is the score. Hmm. It's I guess it similar. is noticeable in places. Yeah, I like it. I like yeah, it in like places. Just, I guess I would say when you're just like hitting those chords on your keyboard, like dun dun uh-huh. dun. It's like uh, just ugh. um. Yeah. So vampires have gone to the back. It's it's you know we got a we got a melee going on here. Um. And, and real dialogue from the scene. Lenny's like, yeah, I heard you'd gone soft. Sad to see it. Spike's like soft, and he's like, yeah, like baby food. And Spike says, well then, let's give baby a taste. Yeah, so eventually they defeated all the vampires and 
it's like uh, the angel kind of half collapses and Buffy holds on to him and Spike kind of calls it out. Like, see, I knew it's not just like a friend's thing or whatever. And then he's just like, anyways, the, you know, like sod the spell. Your friends are at the factory. I've got a new idea. You know, he yeah. feels re-energized by beating the shit out of vampires. Gonna go find her, tie her up and torture her until she loves him again. I just love that the that's how they end the Spike part of it. He's just like, nah, whatever. They're at the factory. I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. Also, I know he's supposed to be weak, but did you see how Angel got took out of the fight? Uh, by like a door falling on him? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which he then is immobilized until Buffy lifts the door off of him. Yeah, it's like, is that like a solid steel door or something? Like, what? Come on. Nope. <laughs> yeah, so Xander's gotten down to where Cordelia is. She can't see him and she kind of like looks off and passes out. And then we cut to a funeral. And then it's just. Zillow, uh, Willow and uh, Buffy walking by. I have to say, I'm I'm amazed that we got through a whole massive stretch of this episode where Sarah Michelle Gillar is wearing a certain outfit and you did not once make a comment on it. I, I, I commend you, sir, on your willpower. I'm growing. <laughs> I have in my notes, it just says, wait for Marco to mention Buffy's look. And he never did. So congratulations. Uh, I'll just wait patiently for my fucking medal. <laughs> <laughs> the track pants, the extremely low cut workout top, the hoodie, the mussy ponytail. I mean, it's it's prime SMG for sure. She's looking good. Uh, you know, again, I've I've mentioned my my prime SMG era, but mm. she's a she's a very handsome woman. Um, yeah. So uh, Willow checking her Zillow app, like you mentioned. Um, I love that they're walking, they're just walking past this funeral. And then Buffy's like, so Cordelia's going to be okay? I mean, maybe it's like the shopkeeper, you know? I, I I thought about that once we realized what it is, but it's like, what a fucking weird thing to put in this episode. That's, that's very classic Buffy, though, to, to play around with that trope. And Willow's just like, oh yeah, she just lost a lot of blood. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's so just Wheaton, it really is. Yeah, Um so Willow, of course, is worried about getting Oz back because you know she wanted everything. Um, and this 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 moment should have been on my moment rather than uh, Oz and Cordelia catching them. Is when Xander goes to see Cordelia, and he's like trying to say something, and she just turns to him and she's just like, "Xander, stay away from me." Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, she put herself out there for you. You're like the big dork, and she took shit for dating you, and that's how you repay her. Fuck you. Which. Compared to other shows, you know, season three, episode whatever, and the shitty dude faces some consequences. I mean, barely, but sure, yeah. I mean, they won't. They'll, they'll be water off his back. Yeah. Back, sure, but, like, good for her. Um, that's well, my, uh, well, I think that's they're, my uh, Lucille moment. Good for her. They're showing, like, real hurt on Cordelia here. Yeah. Uh, and then we go to Angel's, I guess he's still in, like, the mansion, right? Like the, yeah. the half destroyed mansion. Which is missing a wall. Yeah. And Buffy's got to tell him like, hey, guess what? Spike was right for some reason. Uh, you know, I can lie to everyone except for myself and him. Uh, we're not friends. Or Spike. Yeah. Or Spike, yeah. <laughs> I just laugh because she's like, I can fool Giles. It's like, you can fool Giles. Yeah. No, uh, really. But yeah, the classic moment here where, you know, like he's just like, there's got to be someone who can still see each other. And she's like, yeah, there is. Tell me you don't love me. I mean, is, Which, could they not maybe have Willow modify the curse so Angel can still bust a nut without going evil? I mean, come on. 
did it ever come up? You're like, can you can you make an adjustment? He's also addendum. He's also cursed to a lifetime of bad sex. Yeah. Or just maybe it doesn't need to be a curse. He just he gets his soul back. For good. Yeah. 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 Seriously. Um, you think that if anybody could do it, it'd be our girl Willow. Especially with a little help from Jenny Calendar. Just like leave those last two lines of the curse off. <laughs> just for all, the part about the moment of true happiness, we'll just leave that out. Yeah. Oh, it's funny thing about these like bullshit curses if you just don't say certain words uh, it's not like cosmic law or whatever um but yeah tell me don't love out. me tell me uh, uh tell me don't love me of course is the same line that she said to him as a ghost and i only have eyes for you anyway so montage we get uh willow feeling sorry for herself in her room we get oz like sitting on a pool table in the bronze in the dark his guitar yeah okay it's, that's some broody oz there i mean it's some straight up like this could be his solo album cover we get Xander. What are you brooding about, Xander? Just that you got caught. Yeah, in the book cage. Yeah, uh, Cordy's in her hospital bed, thinking like, "How fucking dare that asshole!" And then Buffy just, you know, feeling her kind of like the real end of that relationship, like completely. And if you've been waiting for me to comment on an SMG outfit, she is wearing a pink leopard print shirt here at school. Yeah, I don't think I've the ever 90s. seen anything like this on Buffy. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then we have Spike in daylight. He can somehow still drive in his like weird blacked out car, and he's like smoking and singing along to Sid Vicious My Way, and he's leaving Sunnydale until uh, season four, I believe. Yep. Yeah. I want to say like maybe episode two, season four. He comes back maybe. fairly quickly. Yeah, two or three. Yeah, and then like we we get that quick like uh, like episode three crossover with Angel. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That's like I think Spike and maybe Oz also goes to L.A. I think, briefly. I think like Devin goes to L.A. at some point. Uh, Oz's bandmate, right? For the Gem of Amara. I think so. Isn't like right, Oz so... gives it to Devin or something, and like Devin's gonna drop it off. Devin, the uh, the lead I... singer of uh, uh, Goes It My, My Baby, yeah. Who just has like big lead singer thought, energy? I thought it was. Does he have bigger lead singer energy than Charlie's brother? Charlie's brother. Give I'm me. Lost? Oh, um, I'd say it's Lee? very similar, but they both had okay. that big uh, lead singer energy for sure. Yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't know who has more. I I, I do feel bad because I, I almost want to confuse Devin with Larry. Is it Larry? No, Larry. Well, there there is Larry. Yeah, he's we're about uh, to see Larry, right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. We missed we missed the season three premiere where Larry's finally come out. Oh, is that when it happens? Okay. Yeah, he has he has the great line like as we're like catching up on what's going on in the high school because he comes out like in like maybe Go Fish. Yeah, I think I think like it's that. Go Fish. Yeah, uh-huh. but like he's just like we see him in the hallway. And he's like, "I'm so gay, bro. My grandmother set me up with guys." Yeah, he's like, "I'm so out. My grandmother set me up." Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is you know, the '90s. You love to see it. But I mean, um, uh, just lead singer energy there. I think a part of it's got to be the height, right? Because Charlie and Oz are both like four feet tall. And Liam well, and Devin say, are both like big, tall dudes. I got to say, because I feel like uh, this is such a joyous experience for me that I almost want to linger in these episodes longer than you do. That guitar that he's pensively posing with on uh, that pool table, it might be taller than Seth Green, right? I mean, it's an acoustic, but it's not like a super big one. But I think it's just Seth Green's very small. He's, he's also not super big. Yeah. You don't know this, but I've got him in my pocket currently. Uh, 
All right, episode S3 EO9, The Wish. Powerhouse, written by Marty Noxon, directed by David Greenwald. I would say, I mean, I haven't like made a list or anything, but if I was, I feel like this could crack the top 10. Oh, for sure. This is like uh, an absolute classic. The other two episodes we watched were fun. This one uh-huh. goes in the Hall of Fame. This one, like, cracks open the egg and gets, like, the real character development in, like, a really interesting way by by doing the whole mirror universe thing uh-huh. where they all have goatees. Um, <laughs> like, it it really, like, gets into the psychology of these characters in a much more interesting way. Um, and, like, maybe, like, finally utilizing Cordelia up to a point that it doesn't, but, like, maybe one of the best Marty Noxon episodes ever, for sure. I mean, she has some bangers, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't give Marty nearly the credit she deserves when the show was on. Well, she gives all the blame for season six, pretty much. Like, for season six and seven, it was like, if you liked the episode, it was Joss, and if you didn't, it was Marty, basically. Like, no matter whose credit was on the episode. Which I think further goes to the point of how wrong I was in my estimation of her, because I do like season six, warts and all. I think because of the warts. SNL. Because uh, UC Santa Cruz grad, too. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, because because that is such an incredibly imperfect season. Um, I think that's the point. I think it was almost too too close to the to reality, maybe the first time you yeah. watch it. But it's like also realistic in a sense that like I don't know if anyone noticed, but in our previous finale, we killed our main character for the second time. Yeah. Shit's gonna get a little dark. Uh, all right, I have six moments. So I, I have five, kind of. But so go ahead. Okay. Um, my number six, Giles is hilarious on his phone call with Buffy's Watcher in the other universe. Yes, I'm aware there's a great deal of demonic activity in Cleveland. <laughs> well, it so happens that Sunnydale's on a Hellmouth. Pause. It is so. <laughs> Isn't there supposed to be a Hellmouth in Cleveland, too? Yeah, I think, I think later. I think that later they'd establish that, yeah. Um, so my number five isn't really a moment, but just like the concept, the alternate timeline, it's age of apocalypse vibes. It's everything's like dark and fatalistic and hardcore. Um, I don't know. Did you ever read age of apocalypse? Yeah. Age of apocalypse was probably the last. Oh, so I'll put it this way. When I aged out of the comics uh-huh. is when age of apocalypse was coming. Really? And okay. I, I still remember, reading the press release things and like whatever wizard magazine or whatever like x-men Grape is canceled Brian, well great from the comic shop and it made no sense because they're just like oh we're we're changing all the titles for the comics and they're gonna be called this this and this and i was like the fuck is marvel doing well at the age no of point did i know series, what they were actually doing like the, it was never promoted to me that way the series fucking ruled um it's gotta be my favorite even higher than executioner song um i i lasted a little longer than you i lasted all the way to onslaught i wanted to like see that whole plot line through because it had started like when i started reading in like 281 um which was which is good because that was like a key mystery of what the fuck was bishop yeah. talking about from I mean, the future was, with the Gene's, payoff was uh, thing. fine i guess but i i think they outdid themselves with age of apocalypse it's like wolverine has like one hand because like cyclops shot off the other hand and cyclops is like an evil fascist and like, like they did so many cool things with the characters. Magneto was like leading the X Men with like Rogue as his wife. Like, God, that, that whole series is fucking awesome. Because Rogue always wanted, like, Rogue was always like thirsty for Magneto. Well, he it was like she the could only, touch the only him time they could magnets or whatever, you know. It was like the only time they were able to like bang before that was like when they went to the Savage Land. 
Um, but wasn't wasn't uh, Wolverine with Gene? He was with Gene. Uh huh. And like like in the final like I think it's called like X Men Omega. Like characters are just fucking dying left and right. It's rad. Like uh-huh. it's like Colossus like charges Kitty Pride and she doesn't phase because she thinks he'll stop, but then he doesn't and just like fucking murders her. And so Gambit like murders Colossus because it's like, I guess his cards can do that when he wants them to or something. And like, well, I think Cyclops kills it, Gene and then Wolverine kills Cyclops. And then there's like nuclear bombs falling on all of them. It's fucking nuts. And then like it went on just long enough where I think to certain comic book readers, you had to think, man, this has got to be boring for a lot of listeners. For like certain comic book readers, you had to all. think like, like, oh shit, this, uh, this is the new status quo. <laughs> It was it was four issues each. Yeah, it was like a four month long crossover. It rules. If I mean, I don't even know if they sell it in like all one big book or something like that. But it's you had like really good. It's like top Legion of the game. Quest before it, right? Yeah, yeah. Legion Quest kind of led into it. Basically, Professor X's son goes back in time to kill Magneto to like help his father. But then, then Professor X gets in the way. He kills Professor X instead and creates this whole alternate, alternate timeline. Well, and then they did a whole thing where it's like certain characters escaped that universe like, like four dark characters beast. four characters came over yeah like dark, like dark beast, beast like and went and created white queen nate or something gray like that. And, yeah oh, fucking nate gray what a joke yeah um yeah i mean but i think both of us a lot of certain aspects of our our studying and love of narrative come from comic books i mean this is why i'm such a pathetic bitch that i I said it's it reminds me of the Dark Spencer sock. Yeah. I mean there's, there's obviously that formed me. There's no way that people on the Buffy staff were not aware of Age of Apocalypse, I feel like, because this has so much of that energy there where but, they're okay. willing to just like go nuts with the characters because it's it's like it's an altered timeline, you can do what you want. Nerdgasm aside, let's talk about I think some shows do this kind of thing as a gimmick. This show, the reason it works here is you're really getting to confront a certain psychology of these characters when it allows you to revisit the characters in a different light and kind of yeah get at a little bit of their core their personality mm-hmm. um like seeing buffy is kind of like this you know buffy without friends who's just kind of hardcore and bitter and you know less yeah. successful because of it well in in you know we're going to talk plenty about vamp willow plenty but like i honestly think vamp xander is really revealing of his personality but also it's like his his dark wish fulfillment self yeah really like the guy he wants to be i think is is this vampire version of himself which isn't that far away from regular xander it's like yeah yeah it's just a little more unleashed basically yeah 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 oh boy uh all right so what did we say so you're, I was, you're I number, number six or maybe no, you're number uh, five yeah did you do your number I, five? You so did. my number five was just like the, the concept that's right. That's right. Uh, my number five is Buffy in line for chocolate at the bronze and watches Cordelia like leaving her social engagement. And it's like for a moment, like Cordelia's like mask of happiness fades. And she like touches her stomach where her wound is, you know, not to indicate that she's pregnant. I think somebody um, like maybe bumps her or something like that, right? Something like that. But I love that Buffy's the right person in the right place to like see this real glimpse of Cordelia. Um, and then she follows Cordelia out and she tells her, you know, I felt pain the way you feel pain, you know, telling people about it made me feel better. And it's like for a moment, Cordelia might be responsive and to this. She but the then <laughs> she gets knocked by a vampire into the literal trash. Yeah. 
my number four is when I. Which I just want to say, I, like, this is the beauty of having. I don't know. I, I feel should be saying this in a way, but like having a female writer actually be able to write like effectively and strongly about female characters. Oh, I'm yeah. not saying Joss Whedon couldn't write this, but like it feels more true to me because it comes from the pen of Marty Noxon. I mean, there's just, there's something to be said for experience, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, so my number four is when Oz Giles and the white hats show up to rescue Cordelia. You got like Larry and um, uh, Nancy, I believe is the other one. Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. Classic Nancy. Nancy didn't last uh, too long. R.I.P. Nancy. No. <laughs> uh, my number four is, again, that weird place that the show kind of does where, like, something is really well written and I don't, I don't want to use the word cool, but, like, it's also fucked up and dark. And Xander and Willow show up at the library and lock Giles in the bookcage. And Xander's like, so you're a watcher, huh? Watch so this. watch. <laughs> and so he, like, Bites into one side of Cordelia's neck. Willow bites into the other while like, Xander caresses her hair. And Giles has to watch. And it's like horrific because poor Giles has to watch this like violence happen to this woman in front of him that he can't help. And she's just gotten a glimpse of like hope from this girl. Yeah. Also, it's Cordelia's literal nightmare. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Number three, I've got Giles saying, I have to believe in a better world. And Buffy saying, go ahead. I have to live in this one like that yeah. exchange between them um number three is quite frankly any scene involving vampire willow but especially willow's gonna make this puppy bark can i can i be honest i was never as in love with Van willow as everyone else okay i feel like there's a little bit of camp or a little bit too much camp i should say i would say uh, there's definitely yeah. camp i think that's the point <laughs> yeah but i mean we do get the classic board now uh which mm-hmm. will come back later yeah, yeah. Uh, so number two, you mentioned it, Cordelia dying. That's a nice twist because she's kind of like our anchor character that we're following into this new timeline, and she dies like halfway through it, pretty much. It's uh it's uh what's her name in Psycho thing? In a way. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, like it's like oh shit, anything could happen. Yeah, um, and, and the way it happens, it's it's very like like murder sexual, you know, like the, it's like yeah. this weird kind of, you know, horrifying threesome that's happening there. It's just getting drained from both, both sides. By this couple that she's always been thrust into the middle of. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Near it too. Yeah. Um, the off-screen introduction of Buffy as a fucking superhero oh, like yeah. when she rescues Giles. I mean, seriously, this is how you fucking introduce Batman. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, like, he gets knocked out, like, trying to rescue some humans, and we stay with Giles. Camera's on him as he's laying on the ground. And these vampires that are off screen getting, like, beat up, and they're just, like, flying and, like, landing on the ground beside him. And then we see her, like, size zero little feet <laughs> being, like, need some help, old man, or whatever. I mean, that, that's, like, literally Batman's reintroduction in The Dark Knight Rises. I think it's even uh, how we get him in uh, Tim Burton's Batman, too. Yeah, I'm sure it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it fits her so nice yeah so my number one is just the fight at the end um it's just, people are dying left and right like uh angel gets uh like crossbowed and just like boom he's gone you know and then like buffy just kind of like shrugs it off she doesn't seem to care that much and she spikes xander and boom he's gone and like oz and larry slam uh, willow into a stake and she's out and then buffy mm-hmm. kind of gets like you know, taken out by the master, he like snaps her neck, and I don't know. There's like kind of this, like very haunting, kind of like glassy-eyed look on her face. It's 
almost like she realizes that she's dying and she's made a mistake as it happens, you know? Yeah. She was too cocky or whatever. Yeah. He's too powerful. Or, or also this kind of dance of fate, like that's always going to have been the master's purpose in any reality is to uh-huh. kill her. Um, yeah. Number one is the ending. Um, the, the big fight, all of that, just like this cacophony of end of the world violence, but also concurrent with that Giles makes his own wish, which is, you know, to, to undo this universe. I'm always fascinated by these stories. I mean, like, I think next generation had yesterday's enterprise where and just anytime the, the, the characters are like, I've gotten this sense that there's a better timeline out there and uh-huh. I'm willing to end this world on the off chance that, that there's a better universe that I won't even see. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Always fascinates me. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, that was my number one as well. So it starts out there. She's fighting some weird, like a uh, squid demon, like Davy Jones. From, it's like Cthulhu meets the alien from Aliens. It's Bill Nye from uh, the second part of the Caribbean movie, right? I've never seen it, but yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you haven't seen that movie? You're I not missing not. anything. I've seen the first one. That's the only one you need to see. Somebody told me, or did I read somewhere, that the second one's really horny? Uh, you know, I've seen it. I couldn't say. I remember... I'm trying to remember if it was the second one or the third one where I was watching it with Peanut and like about 40 minutes in, I just leaned over her and I was just like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. And like, I consider myself <laughs> like pretty observant. I'm like a pretty good movie watcher, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. like it's not like I'm like talking during the movie or like, you know, like I can follow a plot line and it's just like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? That's the worst feeling. Yeah. The last 45 minutes of the first Transformers movie. I I would say like, just I, loud, I actually... Yeah. I actually didn't hate that movie up until the last 45 minutes. And I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on. They're just smashing action figures against each other with like property damage. Um, And then we get man of steel with 209 11s. (laughs) Uh, You know what? I watched half of last night just because a friend of the pod Raquel mentioned it on Twitter. What's that? Mission impossible fallout. It's a great movie. Why did you have to make this so fucking complicated? (laughs) Uh, I am the storm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I might well watch that tonight. If I can rule. No, I can't. What do you have to like get up early? Dark. Oh, dark. dark. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, baby. You gotta yeah. watch it. I don't want I don't Netflix. A, Sorry. I've been waiting a year for that shit. Yeah. You don't, uh-huh. you, you're a hero. I know. Uh-huh. I know. I, but uh, you know what? I have to live in this world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So we, I, I love that the, the like Cthulhu demon is like, it's the ending of like a picnic that the three of them. Yeah, are what are they even the doing? <laughs> it's like broad daylight and they're fighting this weird squid monster thing. I, I just love that we're just like we're panning across nature, panning across the picnic table in the basket, and then she's like up against the trees. This well, thing's like choking her out. Well, it's like was she here for this purpose? Like, did they know this demon was there, or did it just randomly I, show up? Who knows? I don't know. I I love the idea that they, like I think there's like a squid demon out there by the lake. Let's pack a picnic and go hunting. Oh, what's this, guys? You only packed fish fingers? <laughs> um, so Xander's pissed that Cordelia won't answer his 60 or 70 messages. I think I'm just going to throw this out there. Random number three is fine. Three messages? I mean, you it, haven't gotten a response? Back off. I still remember there's um, – you remember when they used to do trivia before movies? Yeah. One of the questions that would play forever was uh, how many times did John Favreau's character 
call uh, whoever, like the girl back. And the answer is always one too many. (laughs) Yeah. I uh, I kicked ass at virtual trivia the other night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How many times was, well, this was a good question. You won't get that. Oh, okay. Who's the killer at the end of the original Friday the 13th? You know that. Jason, Jason, it was Jason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he's referencing the movie, guys. Put down Scream. the tweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's obviously saw that movie 20 goddamn times. <laughs> His name would have to be Steve, would it? We talked about that movie, right? Yeah, you know, I'll get you like a fish. Understand? Yeah, we we did scream. I'm pretty sure. Don't you kind of wish, like in like the repertoire of voices, you could talk like that guy? Yeah, he'd he'd be high on the list for sure. Like I don't know, there's certain I don't know inflections from things that get stuck in your head, and like for some reason the one is like, "Hey, we're, we're not, not done yet." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Xander, fuck that guy. Uh, Oz and Cordelia like didn't knock uh, um, on the door before rescuing them and finding them kissing. That's his like gripe. Well, so he's like, he's like, really, it's their fault. And it's like, wow, okay, you've you fully managed to make this uh, their problem and not yours. You you have no guilt in this situation at all, do you, Xander? It's just their fault for being rude and not knocking. Coming in, is anybody making out like in yeah. a life or death situation down there? Just don't want to walk in anything that's going to be problematic. Yeah. Um, what an Willow's ass! Hoping- I mean, Willow is like clearly like feels horrible and yeah. like wants to do whatever she can. And understands that like maybe Oz, you know, won't want to talk to her. And, and Xander is just like, what a fucking drag! I can't believe you're still holding this over me. It kind of reminds me in a weird way too, adjacent to that. You know, when it's like there's a situation that you want to care about, but like other people very vocally care about it so much that it feels like there's no more bandwidth for you to give a shit. Okay. You know, do you know what I mean? Do you ever feel that? I, I'm not sure. No. Emotions. I know. Okay. Not everyone feels them. Yeah. Um, I it's like, don't. it's like the exact opposite though for Willow. It's like his being utterly devoid of guilt or self-reflection has got to make her feel even worse. It'd just be nice if someone, anyone mentioned it on the show, you know? Well, Buffy does, but like not enough. But like in like a sarcastic way, not that like you're sar- showing your entire ass, Xander, kind of way. I don't know if she's being sarcastic, but no, she's definitely not. You know, holding the mirror up to him enough, yeah, or calling him out, and that's that is okay. As if if we've learned nothing else from that fucker Chris Delia or any of these other L.A. comedy guys or whatever, it's okay to call your friends out. I guess it does. Or Joe Rogan. It it does kind of make you wonder if the reason that Xander doesn't get called out is because he is the author insert, basically, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, it's weird because, like, like, later Andrew becomes, like, the audience proxy. Yeah. <sighs> Which, anyway. I mean, it's not necessarily, I mean, you can say, well, this fits Xander's character. He has a complete heel. Like, this is how, how he react to it. But, like, it's the way that nobody else ever kind of you know i mean giles like every once in a blue moon will kind of like call him out and stuff but for the most point it doesn't happen which makes it kind of odd to watch now you just imagine if like emma watson's friend has to like go sit down xander oh man be like hey xander has a shit seat. yeah <laughs> uh so willow's you know not just excited that tomorrow is monday because it's another day of school but like she's hoping to see oz 
like finally, like have a reason to actually see him. Uh, and meanwhile, Cordelia is going through her voicemails in her room while cutting up pictures of Xander and the others and burning them in a trash can like on her she bed. She cuts his head off. I like that. Um, well, but I love that like his face just melts into the fire. Yeah. It's the ending of Midsummer, baby. Actually, no, she actually cuts her own head off. That's even darker. Um, and she listens to every single one of those fucking messages, too. And his message is just like, hey, what's up, Cordy? It's Xander. Give me a call. Zan- hey, Cordy, it's me again. Just uh, want to talk. Yikes. And you just know that his like apology video would be atrocious. Oh, his YouTube apology video. <laughs> uh, it doesn't. You know, want, what, you know what word? It, you know what word planet. it doesn't contain? Yeah. You know Sorry. what word it doesn't contain? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think at some point in here, Will says "darn tootin," which I wrote down just because Willow and her odd vernacular. She's great. Um, at school the next day, Willow does not see Oz. Um, also, we find out Willow's still hanging out with Amy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like the Amy mention for sure. She says like she saw Amy saw uh, Cordelia at the mall, and she's looking scary. And then we cut to uh, Cordelia, sure enough, looking scary, hot and red leather. It does make me wonder, like, did they just not want to bring Amy in because Willow is going to be their new witch? You know, it's like it seems like they could have brought Amy in more to the show. I don't know if it was like an actor thing or what. Well, it's funny that this mention of Amy threw me. Because, like, later on, and especially in the comics, like, Amy's a villain. She's a straight-up capital V villain. And I was like, wait, why is Willow hanging out with her now? Well, she... Whatever. I mean, in her episode, she's like a quasi-villain, kind of. Like, her mom is the real villain, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, So Later in the season, I believe, is when she gets turned into a rat. Oh, yeah, at the uh, gingerbread, right? I think so, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> I know we're not going to cover that one, but that's a fun episode. Oh, yeah. In a way. Uh, and topical. Um, yeah, so Cordelia shows up. I just up, like seeing you know, those little kids get it. Sorry. Continue. Everyone put that into your soundboard. <laughs> your Benjamin Light soundboard that you can download in the App Store. Um, yeah, so she's looking good in red leather. She runs into the Cordettes, who have a new member, Anya. Anya, um, whose who's dad body utility or something. It's like her backstory. <laughs> it's such a weird backstory. It's a weird backstory considering the way that they like later paint Anya as somebody who has like zero comprehension of social norms. <laughs> Just like, yeah, Anya's dad bought like Sunnydale water and power. <laughs> um, also, can we talk about that? It's fucking insane that Xander's two girlfriends meet and bond in this episode. Yeah, yeah. It's so, I did not really think about that until later. Um, Harmony is like pretending to be nice and caring and suggest that Corey to get back out there and make some D appointments. And who does she recommend? But Jonathan. Oh, oh this is so vicious. Man, that is harsh. It's so many levels. That's brutal. He, as he's like sitting on the steps of his like huge glug. Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a 64 ouncer for sure. Danny but Strong. Like, that guy has like an Oscar now or something or like an Emmy, I think. In their fucking faces. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, never mind that. Which of you guys created Empire? Which of you guys was on Mad Men? Which of you guys punched uh, Don Draper in the balls? Yeah. Look at my Emmys. Um, I just, I don't know. I know they can't do big gulp. The huge glug just seems so funny to me. <laughs> so Cordelia, of course, realizes that Harmony's an utter bitch. Harmony's like, I'm pretty sure he won't cheat on you. Not for a while, anyway. <laughs> Although, I mean, you know, this is the the waters that Cordelia swam in before she became one of the Scooby true. gang. So. True, true, true. This is her own medicine, and it's bitter. But let yeah. me ask you a question. 
Yeah. How does the whole school know about this? Yeah, that is a good question. I mean, somebody had, I mean, Xander probably, right? <laughs> Xander had to talk. I mean, unless, like, okay, but how, I, the only thing I could think of is how did they get her out of the factory? Did they eventually call the paramedics? They they had to have called the, the yeah, 911 for that, for sure. And it's like. You can't, you can't just, like, list somebody up and, like, like you know, like, right off the rebar and then <laughs> take her to the hospital. And it's like her doctor at the ER is like, oh, hey, I know you kids. My, my, my kids go to you. What's that you say? You're here because of an infidelity accident. I better text my child real quick. This is some hot goss. Um, and it gets around, yeah, so, you know. Yeah, I guess. So later, Willow finally runs into Oz at the locker. This should have been one of my top moments. Um, she's trying to talk and spend time with him, and he wants to be left alone. And I love this. Like He's like, look, sorry this is hard for you, but I told you what I need. So I think the person you want to talk, the reason you want to talk is you feel better about yourself. That's not my problem. Peace. He's he's just peacing out and he'll show up later. It's one of the white hats. It's like the most words he's ever used to in one one sitting. Uh, There's this nice little moment where Cordy's walking to class and (laughs) the outfit she's wearing is pretty ridiculous for for school here. Um, Like she's got like this like high slit in her skirt and everything, but like, she sees Xander coming her way and she's like, oh shit, I need to do something to like show this asshole up. And so she kind of like stops and talks to this other like hunky looking dude. And she's like, hey, do I have something my teeth? And the way she's kind of framing her face, it looks like she might be kissing this guy. And then like after Xander like feels all like, you know, like crushed by that and like. Wait, walk- wait, wait, pause, pause there before yeah. we get to the, the second part of this. She's a fucking genius. Okay. That's brilliant. Like, like it's, I mean, it's fucked up that she has to go there, but like, on the fly as a tactic, that is brilliant. I'm sorry, continue. So then after Xander kind of storms off in a huff, then this guy is just like, look, it really can't be seen to somebody who's one of Xander Harris's cast-offs, but if you want to you know, hook up later where nobody can see us, it's cool. Uh, see, I had to get my praise for her before John Lee was a total dick to her. Yeah. Also, it's like he's afraid to be cut to the second string based on who he's seen with socially. <laughs> Sunnydale, fire your coaches. <laughs> this wouldn't happen on Emily Fields' watch. Would it? I mean, I don't know. She wasn't the she best. She wasn't the best teacher. <laughs> Can you just imagine if uh, Paige and Emily have to have like a sit down about like who's dating who on the team? Start cutting. By people. the way, did you ever listen to the uh, Lindsay Shaw episode that she did on Tam and Sersex podcast? I listened to a little bit of it and I read some highlights. Ooh, there is some tea spilled. Damn, it's yeah, that's uh, yeah, go listen to it yourself if you're curious. I don't want to talk out of school there, but uh, anyway, Uh, you might want to be sitting down for it though. It's 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 wild. Um, so Anya finds Cordy again and is you know just trying to ingratiate and like, oh, don't you wish something bad would happen to Xander? That kind of stuff. And she mentions this weird giant amulet that she has around her neck, it's like, I don't know, a good luck charm or something like that. Do you think she's actually going to classes or whatever in this like vengeance grift? Who even knows? Maybe. I mean, she's like, she kind of marches to her own drum. So I mean, later on, in a classic like weird, well written, conceptualized way, I like to Hoffren. I mean, he's it's abhorrent. Don't get me wrong, but like in selfless, especially the guy's fun. Okay, um, but like he makes it almost seem like the vengeance thing is like a business with like quotas and shit. And yeah, I yeah. like that Anya is like, 
she's philosophized her job until like she's actually helping women who've been wronged by men. She's getting them pain back, payback. Um, the sad thing is like there's a relatable core to it, but it's like she's almost also using people. Eh, man, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I, right, but also like how often does she do this thing and she's like, oh look at that, I'm in an alternate universe. Cool. <laughs> Well, like, I, does she just drift between, like, the ether when she's not vengeance demoning? You know, like, like where does she Seemed go? Seems like her, her and what's her name are like having tea. Yeah, um, yeah. Cecily. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, like, what if, what if, like, uh, uh, Cordelia? You know, and obviously we're retconning a little bit here, but what if Cordelia was like, I wish Buffy Summers had never come to town, and everyone is a shrimp person, <laughs> and then like Anya's like, Mom, my nightmare. Yeah. Um. I like how in this next scene here, they're at the bronze and Anya's like wingmanning for Cordy. And she really like, it's like they're listening to these like dopes, like tell dumb stories to laugh at. And like Cordy is laughing her ass off and Anya just has this look like, man, the things I do for my job. And yet there's almost a vibe. Like I feel like Cordelia could have like pulled out a cigarette and these guys would be falling over themselves to light it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, she is Cordelia. Meanwhile, 10 feet away. (laughs) Xander's sitting with Buffy and Willow in this like chair couch thing that is like comically n- too small for three people. Yeah, really. This is a love seat for sure. I think. Yeah. And and Xander's just doing this whole thing where he's just like watching and be like, ha ha ha, isn't that funny? Ha ha ha. It's like, dude, just just don't. You're you're not like, helping yourself. So, Allison Hannigan and SMG are tiny. So like. They're already tiny, and this chair is like not meant for three people. I, mean, it's a I, I had to wonder. I had to wonder, like, did they do a thing where, like, initially he sat down next to Willow, and they're like, no, 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 optically, like, we can't we need, sit next we to need each other. Buffy in the middle, yeah. But yeah, so uh, again, he's horrible, but the dialogue is still like well written. When he's like not getting the funny laughter back for them, he's like, "Excuse me, I need to be seen both giving and receiving of Murph." Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Xander. Not feeling your humor. Either way, this all ages club is he like tonight. super man spreads at one point in the shot too. I don't know if you noticed that. I think it's after uh Will like, Why he? like slaps his hand for like is he just kind of like puts it on her knee and she's like, Nope, can't do any of that. Yeah, his his list of war crimes wasn't complete without some man spreading. Uh-huh. Um I, I really hope he's like rude to the waiter after this or the waitress after this. Um so Buffy rightfully points out, you know, it feels kind of weird to do this like us versus Cordelia thing since she's the one who was wronged. Yeah. yeah you were not wronged, uh, Xander. I don't know if you were aware of that. You are not the uh, the wounded party here at yeah. all. Willow concurs. Cordelia has every right to make them pay. Xander won't have it. He's already he's ready to start living. Carpe noctum. But like I kept wondering, like, you would think in the writer's room this would be a whole conversation. Yeah, yeah, I wonder. I mean, it is a Marty episode. I mean, was it just like an edict that like Xander's a lighthearted cat and he can never be called out too much or something? Yeah. What like was it like like the one thing she could do was like sneak in the fact that the two women have to point out like how shitty it is like like make to cast Cordelia as the villain? I mean, I don't know. Um. Yeah, so Xander's pissy. Again, dog of two bones. He can't touch Willow, um, but he can't get what he wants elsewhere. And she's like, she has to spell out to him. I can't believe she has to spell out to him that she wants Oz back. So she needs to be devoted to him. Um, 
And it seems like the attraction is now pretty much gone on Willow's side. Which is, you know, again, it's that thing where, like, if you could only see what the breakup looks like, yeah. you know, ahead of time, <laughs> how would that affect the rest of the relationship? Yeah, so this is where Buffy notices that something's wrong with Cordy. Uh, so she follows her out and tries to have this heart-to-heart, but then a vampire shows up and Cordy gets shoved in a trash pile. And uh, to make matters even worse, the Harmony and her squad walk by and, like, laugh at her. Like, they didn't see the fight, so they just see Cordelia covered in trash. Yeah. What do they think just happened? <laughs> yeah, who even knows? But Cordelia, rightfully so, is like, why the fuck me? And this is when cuts to the next day. She's talking to Thanya about oh, the problem is Buffy. And Anya's just like, yeah, but Xander, like, you you know, don't you wish something bad would happen to him? And, and yeah. Cordy's just like, no, it's Buffy. It's all Buffy. It's all started, you know. Oh, Cormie walks through here, though. She does get a master burn. This is the kind of burn that Merlin tells you is residing in the stone. And you should pull that burn out of the stone in the right time and place. And you'll be the new ruler of Britannia. She says, nice look. Look last night, core dumpster chic for the dumped burn. It's savage. Yeah. And then uh, um, also Anya, Charisma Carpenter's hair. Her hair is truly halfway point between like 80s and 90s music video it's, hair. It's very large. Yeah. Anya takes off her uh, little medallion and she says, I think you need this more than I do because it's supposed to be for good luck. So she puts it around Cordy's neck. And then we finally she is able to kind of coax that wish out of uh, Cordelia here, she says, I wish Buffy Summers never came to Sunnydale. And then Anya turns around, suddenly all like veiny vengeance demon and says, done. Mm-hmm. Bum, bum, bum. And then White Flash. Now suddenly we're in the dark timeline where there's like, there's trash everywhere. <laughs> Everyone's like hurrying inside. Yeah. There's, Crows on the soundtrack. Only half the people are in class. Cordy is like, she's happy at first. She's like, ooh, something's different. Awesome. Everyone, like, nobody just walks through this Sunnydale. They just rush in a panic because this town's gone full Silent Hill. Um, Everyone's goes in, inside. like, really dark clothing and, like, uh, Harmony is just like, Cordelia, I can't believe you're dressed like that. Daring. So daring. Um, we find out that Ted Sherman just totally went for third of Ginger in front of everyone. What does that sounds mean? Sounds like a sex crime. Sounds like a sex crime. Well, third base is, like, oral, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I I was never totally clear on what the bases are. Except for like Let's home at first, but what is that? I think seconds like heavy petting. Ooh, wow. Okay. Google goes right there. Okay. French feel finger fuck. French feel finger. Huh. Okay. So it's it's implying that third base is fingering or hand drops. So I think that's how you know the bases. French is, right. is first base. Yeah, so fingering or hand jobs. Wow. Again, in public, that's a. That's I a guess it's implying that like this dude just like tried to shove his hand on this girl's pants, like right in front of everyone. That's assault. I, I know it's a dark vampire timeline, but Jesus. Um, also, I did totally not notice like when John Lee like, shows up again. This time, he's like so into it, and he's like asking her to the winter brunch. And I was like, winter brunch? Is that a '90s thing? I did not notice that all the students have massive crosses around their neck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the brunch is because they would never be out at yeah. night. Yeah. 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 I was like, oh. And I was like, this show is so much smarter than I realized when I was a teenager. <laughs> um, so we see like one of the classes, the bell rings, like the teacher's already like packing his shit up to get out. And he's just like, monthly memorial tomorrow. No class. See ya. 
Oh, I mean, even in the middle of winter, it's sundown's got enough for like three hours, probably, right? Like, I don't know, these guys are really in a hurry here. It really depends on how long it takes Cordelia to walk home, apparently. Yeah. Um, but the wish verse, though, is kind of what the Buffy verse would look like if it was real. Like, you know, if kind you were of, losing yeah. <laughs> an average of 10 students a month. Uh-huh. Yeah, the class is um, like half empty. I think this is where uh, Cordy makes a comment about like, oh, like, should we go to the bronze or something like that? And Harmony is just like, oh, my God, you don't even joke about that. What is with your like bite me outfit? And you're talking about going to the bronze because, you know, we can intuit oh. that like uh, only the vampires go to the bronze. Well, like, you know, conversely, like Harmony, you get the full spectrum of Harmony in this episode because Cordelia is like. Please tell me that in this reality, Sandra Harris and Willa Rosenberg are miserable. And Harmony's like, uh, yeah, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so she goes out like walking. It's like almost instantly nighttime as she's like strolling well, through like, town. It's like almost sundown in the parking lot when she asks this, like janitor where a car is and he's like, kids don't drive to school here. And then it's like, it's dark at now. Like, I mean, did she like stop in the bathroom and take like a monster shit? Like, how does this, how does everyone else escape so quickly? It's actually her? winter solstice today. Yeah. So she runs into leather Xander. Yeah. This is like super cool guy Xander here. Yeah, I guess. And then, uh, you know, everyone's favorite vamp Willow shows up with her iconic line bored now. Yeah. Also a leather babe. They've got a leather thing going on. Yeah. Well, that's what you do when you're vampires. And then there's Cordy. It takes her a while to figure out what's going on here. She's just like, Oh, you assholes. Um, <laughs> and eventually Xander vamps out and she's like, that ah, screams and runs away. Yeah. And they catch her like in a heartbeat, you know, she does not make it far, but then the, the white hats show up. Uh, just love the shot of like, it's like Oz in his van. He's got the crossbow and Giles jumps out with a giant cross. Like this is just cool shit. I like that Joss or Giles is really using that that giant cross throughout this episode. Like he's just like, this is my weapon. Yeah. Um, also, they take her back to the library. They lay her out on the tables. Am I wrong? Does Giles not feel her pulse like through her abdomen? Uh, let me take a look here. He's like touching her stomach. He does have his hand on her stomach, but I think he's also taking her pulse at her wrist or something. Okay. Yeah, and he's he like checking the the wound. From the rebar, I was like, "Oh no, you know, it's her, her hand. That's what it is. Her oh, hand okay, is on okay. her stomach, and he's holding her wrist." Okay, uh, Larry's got some shitty comments here. I don't even remember him. He well, calls he, her like a ditz or something, right? He calls her a ditz, and then he's like, "Well, that's Cordelia. Better to look good and feel alive." Because Nancy's like pretty dismissive of her bright blue dress. Yeah, yeah, because it's I don't know. Everybody wears drab and dark here, which. I I feel like it's a weird sexual metaphor, like like telling people like, oh, you shouldn't dress provocatively because that will only like incite. I think there might crimes. be a little bit of something there, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, like uh, also, we get the first glimpse of what will be Giles's like sexy out of work dad fashion from season four. Yeah, yeah, that's coming up in season four. When we go to the bronze here, just kind of like off to the side of the frame, a vamp is like feeding on some girl. It really looks a lot like Faith. It's not, but like it's yeah, it's yeah. close enough that you're like, wait, what? Yeah, which I kind of thought was like a really like dark Easter egg. Yeah, yeah, you kind of you could see, I guess the, you wouldn't have an excuse she for her be, to be there, you know? She wouldn't be the Slayer. Yeah, yeah. Um, though, why is she there? Not in Boston. Uh, so we see the bronze in this alternate universe. There's just like techno 
bumping. There's a dude uh, with like a full on cowboy hat inside here. The the fa- everyone for the most part is in Matrix <sighs> cosplay. Yeah, pretty much. There's like dudes in cages trapped to pull tables. There's one guy in a velvet coat. I mean, velvet is very vampiric. But in a world where everyone's wearing black leather, you're the guy who's like, nah, nah, son, velvet. We see like vampire Xander. There's like this guy strapped down to a pool table and Xander walks past and he does like the handshake with like the little finger dance with the guy, Yeah, you know, like the evil handshake. If I could have gotten this whole pan inside the bronze into one picture, I would have tweeted at 2 a.m. last night. (laughs) This is the future liberals want. I mean, obviously. Yeah. So backstage, we've got the master and he's like, hungry. I've lost my appetite for this one. She keeps looking at me. I'm trying to eat and she's looking at me. And so Willow's all about that food. When we get some more like Merchant of Venice references, um, Xander gives up, gives up the update on Cordelia. He mentions of Buffy and Willow's like, Buffy, ooh, scary. And Xander's like, somebody needs to talk to her people. That name strikes fear in nobody's hearts. <laughs> In a way, this is kind of like the platonic ideal of Xander if he can just be evil. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of, I don't know. I mean, in this comic reboot, maybe they're on to something. Yeah, yeah, maybe they are. <laughs> so the vampires are starting a human eating plant or like a human processing plant. It seems like a lot of work, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's like a factory farm. Well, for not a lot of payoff. Yeah, you just get That blood. one girl... Gives you like a tiny little baby wine glass. Well, of maybe blood. maybe there's more that's just like in a reservoir. But like, but are mean, you thinking, are you mixing all the blood together? Or does it get bottled individually? You know, because I mean, what if you want a certain vintage? Wait, what if I want an AB? Because you're giving me you're getting a red like, blend. Just like dirty ABO. You're, you're just getting mixed. like some table red. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What if I want like a nice light rosé? Uh-huh. Um, I mean, this we could really expand this joke into a way that's like not funny and super offensive. But I mean, I'll, I'll say it kind of fits into the whole Buffy TV thing where it's like they sink teeth into a neck and they drink for like one and a half seconds. <laughs> and it's like, this person's dead. I think it's fair to say that the vampire's evil plans are almost always incredibly stupid. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, a lot of work, little payoff. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, ultimately what you're saying is the master wants to go into business, right? <laughs> yeah, he's making true blood almost. <laughs> so back in the library, Cordelia wakes up, realizes they need to get Buffy back. She asks Giles rookie move, he's here. Rookie move by Giles walking into his, like, you know, lockable cage there and just getting stuck inside. Well, I mean, but good point, though, her. She's just like, why the fuck are you here if Buffy's not here? Aren't you her watcher? And he's like, son of a bitch. How did you know I was a watcher? Surprise, Sandra and Willow show up and do leather violence. And yeah, Giles just gets to watch as they tag team her here. And you're like, oh shit, they, yep, they really killed Cordelia. Huh. Now what? Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like such a, like, oh shit, nothing's safe, you know, kind of, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And then Um, Oz and Larry come back and they're like, oh, what about Nancy? And there's like, nope. R.I.P. Nancy. I mean, also, it's totally, it's, it's, um, when you've established a certain kind of bent, like, such and such character has the A story. Like, I mean, can you imagine an episode of Lost where it's like we start off following Jack and then like all of a sudden it's like this is Locke's episode or whatever. It's like yeah. it'd be very strange. Um, so after the commercial, like Oz and Larry let Giles out of the cage. He has Oz and Larry take Cordelia's body to the incinerator. And he's just like, take it to the incinerator. Oh, wait, that necklace looks interesting. I'll take that. All right, now get rid of the body. 
which again, this is like this the thing they specifically didn't want to do repeatedly on the show. Yeah. <laughs> um back on the bronze, Xander Willow reports to the master as he's like drinking blood espresso. Um since master's please, he lets Willow go play with the puppy. And this is the the Jones has this hilarious phone call, Buffy's watcher in this universe. But what's going on in Cleveland? A lot of Hellmouth action in Cleveland, yeah. And then it's, yeah. it's the next day, and we see who this puppy is that Vamp Willow goes to visit. It's Angel, of course. He's mm-hmm. locked up in a cage, and she goes in there to do some, like, uh, I don't know, like like fire sex torture. And Xander shows up, and he just likes yeah. to watch. And yeah, she's, like, right. full-on, like, straddling and writing Angel here as Xander just, like, watches. I mean, I guess that really is, like, Xander's... Uh, it's his, his fantasy. It's his ideal, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he just likes to be cucked. Uh-huh. Um, what's, uh, what is that called? When you... Yeah, it's cucked. Right? Sissy porn? I don't know. I think sissy porn might be something slightly different. Okay. Um, it's, apparently, you and I are just not as versed gotta, in kinks as we should be. Got to go to the extreme tab on Pornhub, yeah. <laughs> we got to really up our kink knowledge. This is now a kink cast. Um yeah, I, I just like the, the menacing of like throwing like matches on somebody's chest. That's fucked up. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, you know what though? I'll say this though. This timeline wise, from what we understand, this kind of checks out. Also, I'm super glad we don't have like Whistler to deal with in this. Oh episode. God, yeah. Fuck that guy. Um, yeah, I never want to see that guy again. <laughs> so then we've got back at the. I, is this the library here or Giles? Yeah, it's the library. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where they're like tooling up. You know, Oz and Giles and Larry here and Giles is kind of fascinated by this whole idea that like oh the way Cordelia talked it seems like the, you know there's wasn't supposed to be this way Buffy was supposed to be here by now oh Oz has got a savage line because he's read about the Oz or Giles read about Anyanka the patron saint of scorned women and that you know you she gets people to make wishes and blah 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 and Oz is like so she wished for something well if it was for a long happy life she should get her money back boom yeah Oz has got jokes yeah. Uh, so then Giles is like, I'm going to go by myself. I, he needs another book at home, I think. He needs to do further research on Anyaka. And as he's driving Good home, stuff. he sees like a bunch of people getting like corralled into like a, uh, like a, it says Sunnydale recycling, but it's like a paddy wagon, basically. Like they're all getting corralled yeah. into a, a van by some vampires. And so Giles gets out to like stop them with just this like a, a cross, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is like the, the great part of it. But yeah. Just like the giant cross, like, like why don't you have a crossbow? Yeah, really, oh. <laughs> like a sword at least, you know. But yeah. the so the people run away, but then like the vampires like get the drop on Giles, and they're like beating the shit out of him. But then oh, like Batman entrance, bodies are going flying left and right and getting dusted, and then bump 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 pan up to Buffy. She's like hardcore Buffy. She's got like a big scar across her lips, and mm. she's got like, some raccoon eye makeup, and she's all business. And I am into it. Um, I never saw it, but did you? Do you ever like see like at least like the trailer for Bordello of Blood? Um, the name is familiar, but I, I don't think so. Now it's like one of the was that the, a, like, Tales from the yeah Tales from the Crypt? Okay, yeah, they did like their their presents movies. Anyway, the only thing I remember from the trailer because it was like a fucking like Dennis uh, was Miller Dennis Miller in that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I remember somebody joking about that, but I don't think I ever saw the trailer before he like bumped his head and like uh-huh. went evil conservative. Well, he rang the MAGA bells what he did. Yeah. But like um 
the the innovation was like he had like super soakers full of uh holy water yeah holy water like in general it sucks it never really seems that impressive we did talk about how funny it was like the uh, last episode uh angel and buffy like throwing those like <laughs> yeah. little what are those fucking things that we drank that one night at the movies where it's like the fucking wine thing and a little orb oh i, I can't remember what those are called yeah but no these are even it was like those those of, of holy water. these are like like nail polish bottle size yeah, like holy yeah. water things yeah like why doesn't giles have that at least yeah <laughs> you know where you live <laughs> um so he's taking her back to his place you know this scene is great um he's read his books he sees that the way to undo on his wish is to destroy her power center or whatever that is and he's like see my watcher muscles haven't totally atrophied he's so pleased like finally be useful again I mean, we're getting she's like just um, not impressed. this is like a little bit of faith in uh, yeah. Buffy here. Not not a ton. It's, yeah. it's not full faith, but it's it's this very kind of like hardcore. Like she she definitely like her, her body movements. I feel like are a little more faithish here. You know, she's just like in the, like this ripped tank top and like she's all business. Well, I think that's what's kind of brilliant about it in this season, especially is if you're supposed to see faith as like this dark mirror of what Buffy could have become, this is another way to look in that yeah, mirror without yeah. even having to have faith in it. Um, so also Buffy cleans her boots of spit. Yeah. yeah and, and she's very no nonsense. And Giles is, you know, he has a line about uh, believing in a better role. And Buffy says, go ahead. I have to live in this one. She like straps on her crossbow and it's just like, stop fucking around, point me towards this master. I kill vamps. That's what I do. I don't, I don't really care about any like, you know, weird on Yonka business at all. Well, and just to her whole, like, I might as well do some good, you know, since you dragged me to this stupid town. Um, yeah. So downstairs, you know, at, at the bronze or wherever, like Buffy finds angel chained up. He recognizes her. He's been waiting here for her, you know, his destiny. She never came, she's like, yeah. she's like, is this a get in my pants thing? <laughs> yes. But <laughs> yeah. So he offers to take her to the factory to stop the master. When she goes to undo his chain, she like flinches at the cross. And she's well, like, he oh, does, fuck yeah. this. Well, yeah, yeah, her cross kind of like falls, you know, as she's leaning over into his face. And she's like, oh, are you kidding me? Because he like flinches away from it. And he's so, just like, trust that I want to kill the master, you know, more than anything. Look at my scars. Yeah. And look at my scars. Like a vampire, get over it. Yeah. So at the factory, the master's making a big speech. I mean, Mark Metcalf is great too. Like in a, in a similar way to Harry Groening. He's, like just, he's hamming it up for sure. Yeah. I mean, again, like this is an actor too that I, I only know him from like one other role, which I don't remember. He's the maestro in Seinfeld. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, Oz has been caught. He's going to be juiced with the other. And Larry. Humans. They're both in there. And yeah. Larry. Yeah. No Nancy. Like, What's up with Nancy? Nancy's dead. Oh, is she dead? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I keep saying. R.I.P. Nancy. She's dead. When did Nancy die? It's uh when uh Xander and Willow come to the the oh. thing and kill Cordy. They oh, like after Nancy. they yeah, Oz and Larry let Giles out and he's like, What about Nancy? And he's like, No, she's dead. Oh, bummer, Nancy. <laughs> okay. Never mind. We were just like, um, I wonder why you keep saying R.I.P. Nancy. I was just thinking you meant it because we never see her in okay. the real world. <laughs> I didn't even see her. Man, I fucked up Nancy's legacy there. Um, yeah, so so uh, also Cordelia's friend who liked her daring blue dress, who according to the show is listed as Cordette number one, <laughs> is going to be the first in, like, the vampires have, like, they finally taken, like, a concept from humans, which is mass production. Also, he pronounces 
plebeians as plebeian. Sure. But yeah, there's a line about like, you know, the evil, something truly evil mass production. Um, yeah. And then we're back to Giles. He's like doing some sort of spell where he's, you know, burning some herbs and shit and like a chalice. It's all to summon on Yanka, who like very creepy, like appearance out of the yeah. shadows. And she's like, like uh, do you have any idea what happens if you like a man summons me? Like she kind of shows up like fucking like, like, like J horror. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I, I, I don't love the, the goofy like stereo effect on her like demon voice. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I was thinking like, I can still remember the creepiest moment in Buffy of all time. Like, what is the creepiest moment of the show to you? I mean, it's gotta be something hush, right? Uh, not for me. What's, what's it for uh, you? It's in season seven. It's towards the beginning. Um, there's a bit where like some demons taking over all of them in their personal lives. And Xander wakes up and Anya is just like floating towards him, like while cutting her face. Oh, right. Yeah. That, that one like, scene is super creepy. Yeah. And I was just like, ah! yeah, yeah. Uh, so they put the coordinate number one in the conveyor belt of murder. And the master's like, she's alive. You see for the freshness. Oh, and then like the you know the little things go into her and like drain her blood, and then it's like it's they fill up a glass, a wine glass, and it's just like this glass is getting passed from one person to another for like thirty minutes or something, seemingly <laughs> as Giles and Buffy show up and they like infiltrate the crowd and get closer and closer, and it just goes on forever. And Giamatti's like, I am not fucking going there if anyone's drinking Merlot. Yeah. Buffy takes a shot at the master with the crossbow, but uh, I think the master just like pulls Xander in the, yeah. in the way he it does it hits him like the shoulder, so it doesn't kill him. One of the vampire extras in this scene looks like Andy Dick and is wearing like a suit with sunglasses. Ugh, I just Andy. thought it was a very funny vampire affect. <laughs> so she starts fighting the vampires. Like Angel goes to free the humans from their cages. Oz gets right fucking down to it, like breaks off a massive piece of wood for like fighting and staking. Oz is kicking ass in this scene. Yeah, him and Larry. I mean, they, they you know, they get Willow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that they just, like, grab her and, like, just, like, drag her back yeah. to this, like, wayward piece of wood. Which, if I remember correctly, are we doing Doppelgangerland? We're not doing Doppelgangerland, right? Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll find that out in a little bit. I, I thought, if I remember correctly, I don't know, some spoiler, I guess. It's, well, like... Just hold on. We'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. Uh, so, Giles plays Anya's, like, Anya's approached him on, like, the weird, like, stereotype voice thing. We're, He's we're trying cutting to back and out. forth here, yeah, between Anya and the big fight. Yeah, like, again, just, like, this big, like, orchestral cacophony of, of woe. He's, like, trying to figure out what Cordelia's wish was. It's, like, Anya's, like, like throttling him. Um, Angel defends Buffy from some vampires, like, takes an arrow in the chest. And then we hear Anya's voice. I believe she says, this is the real world now. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> also, you know, I thought it was a cross where they got Angel. It's not. Xander stakes Angel, which uh, is fitting in a way. Oh, does he? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's like they kind of charge each other and, and like uh, Angel gets like a big right hook to Xander to like knocks him out. But then he turns around and he's got like the stake in his heart and then poof. Oof. And so Buffy just kind of like marches right through the dust and st- stakes uh, uh, Xander when she gets a shot at him. Boom, he's gone. Mm-hmm. And then boom, Willow's gone. Like it's just all like just people are getting dusted left and right. It's awesome. Yeah, like her and the master are like coming at each other, like uh just throwing dudes out like, of the way. Well, like Bill the Butcher and like uh uh Liam Neeson at the start of Gangs of New York. Like, they're <laughs> just like on each other, they're yeah. gonna get each other. I would have loved, and then we can't do it the slow motion, if he could have somehow worked in a nice dress reference. 
Yeah, Buffy is not about his Roman potpourri for sure. No, no, no. <laughs> so he like backhands her so hard that she seems stunned and then he breaks her neck. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. And just, uh, the look on her face is like pretty haunting. But then just as that happens, uh, Giles is like figured out he, he needed to know the source of Anya's power and he grabs a necklace from around her neck and smashes it. And then boom, the, uh, the horrible alt timeline is gone. Like, uh, uh, like you trusting fool. How do you know the other world is any better than this? And he's like, because it has to be. Yes. Um, like, does she just have like a million of those necklaces? Is it like the clotter ring? Or does it just regenerate or something? You know? Yeah. He's like, I've got two now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we get right back to where we left off of Cordelia, who now does not have the necklace on that Anya gave her earlier. She's just like, I wish Buffy Summers had never come to Sunnydale. And Anya's like, done. But she's like, normal. Nothing happens. And again, you can get a touch of like Emma Caulfield's like comedic genius. She's like, realize that something's yeah. not right. And Cordelia's like, that'd be cool. No way. I wish Buffy Summers had never been born. And Anya's like, done. And I wish that Xander Harris never again knows the touch of a woman that Willow wakes up tomorrow covered in monkey hair. Done. done. <laughs> well, there is, there was some dialogue, I think from Giles in the alt timeline about how if the power center is destroyed, then Anya will become, the Anyanka will become normal again or something or mortal again. So they, they kind of set up what's going to happen to Anya. Which, Jesus, I mean, what a job. Like, first mistake, you're fired. It's rough. Yeah. Not even a verbal warning. But uh, I love this detail. Like, this is kind of what Cordelia needs. Like, she's on this thing where she's, like, letting her 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 anger out. And she's just, like, marching off, <laughs> talking to herself, making wishes like a crazy person in search of therapy. And it's like, this is what she needs to let it out and recover, I think. Seriously. And uh, they walk past uh, Buffy and Xander and Willow, who are all alive again and just smiling living, happy to themselves. Yeah. Living their lives. Yeah. Oh, and Giles, too. I think he he walks by and like does a whole like point in his watch thing, like get to class or something like that. Uh, I don't know if anyone ever actually shipped Xander and Cordelia all that much, but I love that the show doesn't doesn't contrive some nonsense to get them back together. Yeah, I mean they they had their moments here and there, but it was I don't know, the the dynamic was always she you know, is dating him and she doesn't even know why and he is going to just like kind of like like uh badmouth her but still wants to date her, you know, like I don't know, it's mm. it never the most mm. healthy of uh, situations. Nope. Nope. Anyway, that was the first half of Buffy there. Uh, so any any complaints about the season? You know, these again, episodes, you know, like we've talked about, it would be nice to uh, see Xander get some more lasting. He's just such an ass. Yeah, and yeah. It, I, I guess like, as I mentioned earlier, it's it's hard not to think about another cheater making excuses for himself and not acknowledging any guilt. Uh, uh, make one change. Uh, more faith. That's true. We did not less, have a bunch of faith in these episodes. Less Xander. Uh-huh. Um, I had a thought about faith. I can't remember what it was now. Uh, so my make one change. Tell me what you think about this. What if we made the wish a two part episode? Because I could have lived in the wish verse for a little longer. Oh, hell yeah. Like I, I feel like there's enough there that you could chew on it for longer for sure. Um, of all shows, there's a, there's a two-part episode of Star Trek Voyager called Year of Hell where it the two-part episode takes place over a year. And it's like 
there's a whole like alien race that has like a time ship. It's kind of fucked up where they I like vaguely remember that they like fire time weapons at species they don't like and like erase them from existence to like try to get their empire back to its former glory. And so over the course of this year, as like Voyager's trying to like stop them, it's like the ship is falling apart, crew members are dying, you know, it's like Voyager's fucked up, it's not gonna survive. Um and then eventually uh the only way to beat it is like Janeway has to like pilot Voyager into the heart of this time ship and erase it from existence and they reset back to you know the, the classic reset. Um and then like I think Brian Fuller, who who conceived that, just said in an interview not long ago. That initially the idea was like that two-parter would have been part one, the season premiere, part two, the season finale. And that would have been the whole concept of the season is basically take you into like a dark alternate timeline. Uh-huh. You know, and I kind of think about that, like the only problem with the wish verse is that, you know, it's a one-off. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Even, I mean, they, they stretch it out as much as they can, like for a little longer, but Yeah. So yeah, I'm all for the two-parter. I just I think you know, oh, they're gonna wrap this up next season, but I think you just have to savor the little morsels of you know the other side of the mirror. Definitely. All right. Well, it's time for our power rankings. Um how many do you have? I have thirteen. I've uh I guess twelve. Okay. Uh number thirteen, Angel. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not in this a lot. Yeah, that's true. Um I have Angel number twelve. Okay. Uh, at number 12, I got Anyanka. Um, it's nice to see her. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see, number 11, I've got Joyce. Yeah, same. I feel like I ended up forgetting someone. We'll see here. Uh, number 10, I've got Xander. Okay. I have, um, actually, no, I have Xander there too. I have Xander there too, but I was like, especially Vampire Xander, who is a lot more tolerable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> number nine, I've got the mayor. Oh, okay. Uh, nine, I have got Mr. Trick. Although that, that may be a little bit cheating on my part because I think the mayor's only in like one scene, but I saw yeah. some more scenes of him this season. Hey, man, it's a memorable scene. Yeah. We're going on a short game. Oh, you know, I do not have Mr. Trick at all. Sorry, Mr. Trick. Uh, mm-hmm. Number eight, I've got Oz. Uh, yeah, same here. Daniel Osborne. Yeah. So I have Anya at number seven. I love Anya. Good for you. That's a good place for her. Mm-hmm. I have the mayor there. Okay. Number six, I have Nancy. R.I.P. Nancy. No, just kidding. Um, I have Cordelia <laughs> at number six. Um, I actually do too. This is kind of eerie. Yeah, we're, I feel like we're, ours are going to go like not off by more than one the rest of the way. Number five, Giles. Okay, number five is where I've got Faith. Wow, okay, um, okay. I wanted to put her a lot higher, but again, she's only in that one episode. That's, yeah, that's true. I, I did cheat and watch some more. Um, so I've got Spike at four. So do I. Yeah. Willow at three. I mean, I feel like I feel like Spike would be higher in any other ranking system, but like there's some other great characters. You can imagine even for a season power rankings, like the whole season. Spike, I think, ranks in like the top six at least, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's like in one episode. Which is why it's like a no-brainer to bring that guy back next season. Yeah. Um, number three, yeah. I also have Willow, but especially Vampire Willow. Okay, so you must have Giles at two. I do have Giles at two. Okay, so I've got Faith at two. Word. My girl. Word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Buffy at one, of course. Always, always Buffy at one. Yeah. I don't think that's, I don't know if that's going to change. It's it's hard you. to not put her, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if we do a group of episodes where somebody else really shines, but yeah. 
I mean, I don't, I don't know. It feels weird to say, but like maybe. Well, if we get to season seven, I could see Anya. It's, Anya's the one person I could see. Maybe. Yeah, maybe like first half of season seven. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so, so what are we doing next time? What we talked about previously was Amends, which you've never seen. Yeah, I have not seen Amends. The Zeppo, which is going to be interesting to talk about, uh, an earshot. Okay. I mean, I guess the only thing there is we are missing, I feel like the other two, the other possible ones we do would be like Bad Girl and then Graduation Day. Bad Girls and Graduation Day. Is Bad Girls after Earshot? I believe Bad Girls is before. Let me take a look at that real quick. Do, 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 do. All right, where's my season list? This wiki is hard to navigate. Even the lost one is better. It's always a pain. Just like, give me the season, you know? Um, All right. I just can't go through. Okay. Gingerbread is right after men's helpless. That's a pretty good one too. We don't need to do that. The Zeppo bad girls is right after the Zeppo. Well, I think we had talked about previously of doing season three as two episodes. If we do it as three, that solves all our problems right there. So we could do we could do the next one as amends the Zeppo and Bad Girls, and then do Earshot and Graduation Days Part One and Two. Yeah, I can see that. So Earshot, and then it's just choices and the prom. We don't need to do the prom. I guess we can do that. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a prom. Spending more time in the Buffy world. So amends the Zeppo and Bad Girls. Yeah. Right. Live fast, die young. Oh, I, know, I, I well. kind of feel like we could do like one episode on season four, to be honest. Wow. It just hush. <laughs> I mean, I guess friend of the pod, Raquel, I think suggested doing like the crossover, like this year's girl. Who are you? I believe that was Andrew. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that yeah. Andrew? I, that was I believe Raquel, Raquel okay. kindly indicated that she would like to voice thoughts on seeing red. Far in the future. Yeah, yeah. Whenever we get Which, there. Which... To be fair, I think everyone has comments about seeing red. God. But yeah, Andrew suggested that we should follow Faith's journey into Angel. Yeah, because I mean, which I, the, the entire I'm, like I'm, uh, the oh. initiative plotline I just don't care about. So like, I, I, I mean, yeah. Let me, let me look at season four. It's been a while. I mean, there's Hush. This year's girl. Who are you? Um, I, we, the what's it called? Um, not the yoke, restless. We got to do restless. I mean, there's so much turmoil in the end of the Oz relationship with Willow, like unrelated to Tara and what that means for Willow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. There's just something. Oh, the, like the whole Veruca thing, it just it, yeah, it it had that feeling of like we have to accelerate some things because Seth Green wants off the show, and so yeah. his character isn't going to act the way you're usually expecting him to act. It's like sorry, he's going to be kind of irrational in this episode because we got to get rid of him, and then when I he mean, comes back, we have to be kind of an irrational dick again because we have to like you know move on to, to Tara. So yeah, and the sad thing is like. I really like Pangs. It's a fun episode. I don't know if it's essential, 
for this. Okay, so as Raquel had suggested the harsh light of day, wild at heart, hushed and restless. Uh, with something blues and our mission. Yeah, I kind of feel like for season four, we could do. I mean, beer bad, obviously, no. Um, obviously. Yeah. Hush, this year's girl, who are you? I There's like an angel one in there, isn't there? Uh, does he come by in Pangs? I think it comes later. There's I think like I want to say it's, it's like a couple episodes on Angel, isn't there? There's a couple, but uh, we really want the one, right? Oh, it's Yoko Factor, baby. That's what Angel and Riley have. No, their, we're their we're not watching that episode just for your one moment that you like. Because <laughs> um, I I don't need to watch Prime Evil at all. Like I'm good. No, none of that. No, no one cares about that. Um, I think Superstar. No, I'm fine on that. That episode's pretty fucking creepy when you really think about it. Um, so I how about just hush this year's girl and who are you? I think we got to do restless. Oh yeah, sorry, and restless. I mean, we can make maybe make it a four for. Yeah, restless is good. I mean, honestly, you could do a whole episode on restless. It's true. It's yeah. Something, it's something big. You um, men in your sails. Oh, I got to practice my monologue there. Uh, that might be like cheese. some of the best. The cheese does not wear me. That monologue that SMG has and the Death and Salesman play is fucking incredible. Some of her best. Uh, work. Every every part of that episode is incredible. Like it just. Um, it really know, is like, like the, the dream sequence episode to end all dream sequence episodes. There's a movie that I love that I that I don't recommend to a lot of people because even if you don't understand it, it's like depressing, which is called Schenectady in New York. It's a Charlie Kaufman movie. Um, Restless is the only other thing that's given me the similar vibe where it's like there's so much allegory and metaphor and dream logic that like you just you and, could just dine forever on like what does this mean? And off screen kissing noises. Yeah. Because well, at, the, at be, the time the, the censors are still not cool with the lesbian kiss. Well, well, but also the way they play that, though. Is it Xander who's watching? Xander's just watching, yeah. I'm like, yeah, there's like a weird, like, but I mean, like that, yeah, I mean, there's there's the, the network sensor thing, but like, just the way they play that makes a lot of sense. That, of course, it's for his benefit, for him to watch as yeah. if their bodies and sensuality belong to him. But I mean, even like the the weird slow motion shot of Miss Kitty Fantastico <laughs> marching towards the screen. Uh-huh. I mean, like I said, I some part of me is still trapped. Like in the Twin Peaks Lodge in Restless. I, I actually, I don't know. Hush is fine. I like Hush a lot. I really love Restless. Yeah, but we have to we have to do Hush. We have to do Restless. And we have to I get, do Hush we'll just, just for Buffy's uh, staking motion. We'll just cram it in there or maybe try to go a little faster maybe through the uh, the two-parter there. But yeah, I think we have yeah. to do those four. And that's that's it. I don't really think we're going to, you know, the initiative stuff. I mean, I don't really feel There's, like going on a uh, uh, an Oz terror with uh you know his departure and then re-entry i mean it's, it's nice and all that that will can kind of transition to, to tara's you know her new love but i don't think those episodes are particularly good i guess i would say no i know elsewhere in the show there are some good moments in that season but not necessarily episodes i want to yeah really linger on like i'm trying to remember I'm so glad that I can't. Who is the fucking asshole that Buffy like? Oh, Parker. Dates briefly, Parker. Which didn't really make oh, sense because asshole. we'd already done the he slept with the guy and then he changed plotline, right? Well, but I think I don't know. I feel like they're just like no metaphor, real life yeah. guy. 
yeah, he just, sucks. Just a, yeah, this is the the non metaphor version. <laughs> Fucking is, Parker. Everyone has a, a Parker year one of college. And then he went off to be gay Yoda on um, what's it called, Dawson's Creek. Was he gay Yoda? He was. He was like the like older, experienced gay boyfriend of Jack on Dawson's Creek. I just remember the oh. the uh, the old Mighty Big TV recaps referred to him as gay Yoda because it was just always like dispensing this wisdom, like he was fucking fifty or something. For no reason at all. I don't know why none of those words make sense, but he made me think of Trent McNeely. Trip McNeely, you mean? Trip McNeely. I'm so sorry. Trip yeah, McNeely. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Like, you know, it's funny to think about. I don't need to revisit Kathy, the roommate. Yeah. I mean, those are the early part of that season's fun before we get to the initiative stuff, but not necessary. Just out of curiosity, if anyone's watched this on streaming recently, is the share song like, did they get the rights? Is it still there? <laughs> yeah. You know, I was actually, I was watching something online kind of breaking apart how horrible the widescreen transfer of Buffy is. Like, yeah. there's like flat out, like, shots where you can see like the boom guy like the camera um, supposedly in the wish there's a shot but i didn't see it so i i have i had like the dvd version so they're like uh, okay. four by three um yeah there is an interesting youtube video that really like went into like great detail and like showed you side by side and whatnot like i guess for the wire they really went through like back to the original masters and like recropped when they needed to they would like literally cgi out like cameras and booms on like the side of the frame if they needed to like they they went all out to do like a real hd version of it you know whereas on some of these buffy ones because i i I looked at like like there's a the faith buffy fight like you mm -hmm. can just literally see like kind of like you know stunt people on the side of the screen at certain points in that big fight like it's terrible like the, the amount of disrespect and like they they recolor graded it too. That was a really big thing. They like the color grading's all wrong uh, for yeah. the HD. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, there's like Gilmore Girls on like Netflix where it's like they weren't thinking, and like you can see the crew on the uh, edges. It's um, insane just, to me that like they just like won't have the rights for music. That like it's baffling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just not anticipating, not getting perpetuity. Perpetuity or anticipating new media and uh-huh. things like um, you remind me though back in the day when all you could get was the VHSs of your favorite movies. <laughs> um, I'll never forget. Well, I'll never forget Magnolia of all movies has a scene where the full screen suddenly goes to wide just because because they have two to. characters are so on the edge of the frame. You would see that occasionally, yeah, and like old pan scan where it's like they had no choice. Or they, well, like, there would be like the weird, like robotic kind of like pan from one side of the frame to the other. Yeah. Oh yeah, like the super sped up one. Yeah. yeah. Like it's not, it's not meant to be noticeable, but it's so noticeable. I remember um, in the Empire Strikes Back, there's a scene where they've taken the uh, the super starcher executor into the asteroid field, and mm-hmm. along with a bunch of other starcher, um, and it's like cut to Vader like getting an update from a bunch of dudes in a hologram. And if you yeah, yeah, yeah. for a long time when you watch that scene on VHS with a pan and scan, it just looked looked like Vader talking to these two dudes. And then you finally get the widescreen again. It's like, oh, there's a third dude on the edge of this frame who like disappears because his ship just blew up. And you see him go like, nah, yeah, yeah. disappear. And it's like, for, yeah, you wouldn't even know that was there for like, you know, 15 years or something. I think we talked about that on the, when we did a Greedo. We may have brought it up. Yeah. yeah excellent. All right. um, but I mean, if anyone wants to watch just like a, what I remember to be a fun episode that we're not going to cover, I believe Pangs was a lot of fun, like in a kind of zany that, way. Is that Angel or that's Angel, right? 
No, that's uh, Buffy. It's the Buffy. Thanksgiving one. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The whole the like Chumash the, tribe. Yeah, they're like the Native American tribe who's like shooting arrows at them through Giles's like uh, apartment windows. Mm-hmm. What I remember being especially hilarious is that Spike is like tied up in a chair in the middle of the room. And just getting shot. Each, yeah. Like, each time you cut back to him, he has like more arrows in him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I think I will have forgotten about this list. So we'll remind ourselves. The men's, the Zippo, bad girls. That's yeah. So next time is amends up on the bad girls. Yeah, I was thinking about season four. We'll remind yourself about season four and three episodes. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening. If you made it this far, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. All right. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye.